Chicago Sing, Chappelle Show and Mythbusters debut in the most star-studded comedy to ever bomb this week on 30 2010. Hello, everyone, and welcome to 302010, the Laser Time Network's pop culture time machine, taking you on a little journey 30, 20, and 10 years ago. Uh, we'll be talking from this week, this week being January 20th to the 26th, across three decades, 1993, 2003, and 2013. I think I did very well for the fourth episodes of the three. My co-hosts are nodding. Hi, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. Who else is with me? I'm Diana Goodman, and he ran into my knife. He ran into my knife ten times. <laughs> and I'm Rick James, bitch. Enjoy there it yourself. Is. There it is. It's, oh, it's might be one of the greatest weeks for TV just in uh, one decade alone. Holy Lord, there's a lot of crazy stuff happened. And uh, I finally saw a movie I've been needing to see for years and years and years, and I was happy to do it. So much fun stuff to talk about this week. And then and then also on our Patreon, we've got some Superman stuff going up, do we not? Yes. Patreon.com slash LaserTime. Give us five bucks. Support this show. Video Game Apocalypse, Laser Time, and all the bonus stuff we give you. Thank you very much. Sick of Star Wars. Coming this week. Anyway, let's move on to 30 2010, because uh, there's so much to talk about uh, what happened in the world 30, 20, and 10 years ago this week in terms of mostly pop culture, but just in case you're uh, into the news or topical events, we have a little bit of uh, to lead you off with. As we begin in 1993, January 20th to the 26th, this is kind of a big one. Bill Clinton inaugurated as the U.S. president 30 years ago. God, I am old. And everything worked out for the best. No, his inauguration, he did one thing uh, that I really liked, but yeah. he was kind of hammering this idea of like, I'm young, I'm cool, I'm like JFK. And he brought in a poet, mm. which hadn't, I don't think, been done since Robert Frost at JFK's, but he brought in Maya fucking Angelou. She wrote right. a poem just for it, and it was really good. Pointy birds, pointy birds. Well, <laughs> he was the third youngest president in mm. U.S. history. Uh, he was 46 at inauguration. Holy shit, I'm almost Bill Clinton's age? Yeah. <laughs> oh. Put that in context, Joe Biden at inauguration is 78 and yeah. is now in his 80s. Is there a single candidate in their 40s out there? I don't know of them. Uh, Ron DeSantis. Uh, oh, uh, yeah. But he hasn't announced anything yet. But I, Sam loves to depress me with that. A guy I don't like is my age. And mm. <laughs> he could be the next president. I did. I thought I also saw. This is depressing. This week, 30 years ago, was the 20th anniversary of Roe v. Wade. And yeah. Bill Clinton's immediate acts were to, like, uh, you know, some fetal t- research Stuff that the Republicans have been manning forever and the RU486 pill, try and get it to begin testing, something like that. But, you know, (laughs) certain things come and things go. Also, (laughs) Puerto Rico adds English as its second official language this week. Uh, I have been to Puerto Rico, do not speak great Spanish, can understand some, and, you know, monosyllabically work my way through agua. No. Uh, But, yeah, everybody there's pretty fluent in english it's pretty crazy well yeah. yeah i mean makes sense uh yeah i i have learned through my many travels the most important word you need to learn in a foreign language is that one Bonio. Este. Este. Oh, okay este yeah point and say este and then hold up trace <laughs> through fingers tra- tra- este 
but See? not like Decent. the Mizzies. And uh, and perhaps the biggest news for your boy Christopher here. This is this is <laughs> the shadow of the beauty that is Roger Rabbit coming to fruition in uh, Disneyland. Look what opens this week. At Disneyland, you've seen Fantasyland, Frontierland, and Tomorrowland. Now here's a whole new land you've never seen before. Hey! Let me show you around. Take this crazy town. Yep, Mickey's Toontown. I, I believe pretty much based in the world Roger Rabbit set up. Uh, there yeah. is no what? way this would not exist without Roger yep. Rabbit. Why are they going to call it Mickey's Toontown? Yeah, that's that's just always bothered me. He doesn't also, even have a ride Mickey there. and Minnie's. No, they have Mickey and Minnie's houses. House. Mm-hmm. Which I would get. Uh, I, I try to get myself thrown out of the park repeatedly. And one of the things I did is that uh, Minnie's house has a kitchen. I don't see no kitchen in Mickey's house. She's got laundry. She's got domestic <laughs> shit. Mickey doesn't. He's got a library. Fuck this. You can barely Fucking go in there anyway. bullshit. They God shut it down it. in Disney World, I think. And it well, still exists he- in Disneyland. Here's the problem. So they had the Jolly Trolley, which was a movable trolley, but it got in trouble because it was moving through an area that yes. people walked through. You still see the so tracks. Got removed, got removed for safety reasons. Then they had Goofy's Bounce House. Which yep. was re- removed for safety reasons. And this then is my favorite. they had Chippendale's ball crawl. <laughs> I want one of these which, balls. Go on. Which was removed for safety reasons. Poop. Poop. <laughs> it was. It was something I. I learned. I think it's why when we were younger, like every fast food establishment added a gym, like a plastic ball pit jamboree thing, and they're all fucking gone. Because if you ever worked at one of the establishments. Kids get sick and throw up and shit everywhere. And you're not necessarily Start, trained in... I remember I, that is when I quit McDonald's. clean a thousand balls. Yep. Yeah. So it's it's really when you go to Toontown, you will see the, those troughs. Because they, they were troughs, like rivers of balls. They are roped off now. and They, you, it, they look like drainage ditches. So they also have gadgets... Coaster, which is the only mm-hmm. remnant of the Disney afternoon in any Disney park, as far as I can tell. And I think there's like one picture of her. Otherwise, you wouldn't even know who Gadget is, but it's uh, Gadget Gear. I forget her last name. Hack Wrench from Chippendales Rescue Rangers. Is it Gadget Gear? No, no Gyro, Gyro Gear, Gear Loose. Gadget Hack Wrench. And of course, Roger Rabbit's cartoon spin, recently revamped, but still a terrible ride. Why am I going off about this? Do you want to hear the original quote about Toontown by Eddie Valiant in the novel? Please. <laughs> Back when the world was a ball of fern, when the good front lawns was a half acre of bubbling slime, a giant amoeba split in two. The front half, the end with the brains, called itself Los Angeles. The butt end became Toontown. Toontown. <laughs> thank you very much. Uh, oh, shit, I'm forgetting the, the name. Uh, Gary Wolf. Thank you, Gary Wolf, for that. He uh, did an interview with us on Laser Time talking about Roger Rabbit's anniversary. Check that out if you get a chance. Let's get into the movies of 1993 because there's a bunch here that are all, <laughs> including public <laughs> access with Ron Marquette and Dinah Brooks. Uh, this is only notable because here's the first movie by Brian Singer yeah. and Christopher McQuarrie. Um, they have something else that they're working on. Eventually will become usual suspects. But right now this is a small independent movie. That's a uh, guy comes to town, gets a public access TV show. Uh, ask your parents, kids. Mm-hmm. And 
uh, problems ensue in the town because like everyone's deep dark secrets come up to the fore yeah. and it did no, really really well at sundance because that's the kind of thing that did the whole the whole focal point of this movie is what if there was a place where people could bitch anonymously mm. <gasps> what really about mm -hmm. like a anything? bathroom wall in 1983 you oh. get a bitch about anything on this guy's public access tv show and that's that's the world we live in 24 7 i'm sorry it's yeah. a nightmare <laughs> it's a constant yeah. nightmare oh uh, where everything is yeah. a five alarm fire from the burger you ate the, the worst down. yeah i think my favorite thing that i learned about this because i watched this way way back in the day you know because we're in sort of the big times of of independent film being taken really seriously and just being like eh, i feel like it's trying too hard and even the filmmakers were like yeah we tried to too hard to be dark but i love that back in the day if you didn't have money and you wanted to shoot on 35 millimeter you could buy the remainder of film stock from other movies Mm. and splice it together into enough negative that you could shoot your thing because you can't do digital which is free so either you did it on like 16 millimeter like kevin smith did or you got remainder from bram stoker's dracula and hoffa and stitched <laughs> it together and then shot your movie well oh forget what they call them it's a big plot point in dolomite and then also yeah, film ends. film and this week also sees the release of hexed a movie i would not watch if you paid me you sort of are no. Air Gross and Claudia, uh, Claudia uh, Christian. It just looks mm -hmm. fucking awful. A clerk. It's, well, it's it's by a guy you like. It's by the guy who did Sledgehammer. Yeah. Oh I yeah, and they're they're going for kind of a parody of erotic thrillers, I guess. Like a lot of things Ooh. I saw was like it's airplane, but it's about sex movies, and but no <laughs> one seems to really like it. But it played on cable a lot, so I'm sure there's someone somewhere is now remembering that there was a movie about like. A bellhop in a hotel and a sexy lady. Mm -hmm. And it's not four rooms. It's Hexina. Uh And then also this week, in equal obscurity, Julian Fellows, Leslie, uh, uh, Karen, Kevin only Clark, with certain kind Peter Stormare, Ian Bannon, Rupert Graves, Miranda Richardson, Jill, Julia Pinoche, and Jeremy Irons, and Damage. Damage. Now, now we have a good erotic thriller movie directed by fucking Louis Maul, bitches. Mm. And um, yeah, th this is a really good one. Honestly, uh, Jeremy Irons has an he's an up-and-coming politician he has an affair with a woman who turns out to be his son's fiance yeah you know Oops. that kind of thing that happens but i don't Oopsie. i don't know i don't think they they didn't build it up enough for me i mm. personally i don't have an urge to cheat on my wife i'm not just saying that it's just really never been something that i've had to struggle with you know and when i see jeremy iron's character be like well, it's cheating time. Time to cheat. <laughs> I mean, there's there's no thought to it. It's not like a big deal to him. It's just like sexy, sexy, sex time. And his wife didn't seem to be mean to him. They didn't seem to have a bad relationship. It was just like, well, I guess this is what I do now. No, because that's why men mm -hmm. cheat. So, yeah, he's literally with his son's fiance. And in the 1993 context, this was very much the sexy sex movie. Siskel and Ebert raved about its sexy sexiness. But, you know, it's just not a draw anymore. Uh, although for some reason, in March of last year, Netflix announced that there was another adaptation of Damage, and it's going to be a three-part limited series on hey. Netflix. Huh. 
but you can't binge a movie. Oh. Okay. Yeah. No, I mean, I feel like this is the this is the artsy psychological sex drama about oh, the literally the damage it does to your psyche as you become more and more obsessive and destroy yourself. But why? Because your balls are telling you to. That's why. Because God made man so flawed. okay okay you know if we have a theme this week that theme is probably men be fucking around yeah a little bit and they may or may not deserve to die for it and uh this isn't going to help that case at all because i only remember this movie for one reason titties Mm -hmm. we got uh i I think i think there's a one nude scene in it uh am i incorrect did you watch it i didn't rewatch it i Uh, watched it the titties didn't make that big of an impression on me but then i'm not 12 yes when When you are watching h hbo won't play rated r movies before eight o'clock they'll play pg-13 movies before eight o'clock and sometimes those will have up to two boobs show non-sexually I think that was the case for Terry Polio, Vanilla Hughes, Peter Berg, Paul Gross, and Aspen Extreme. Because I remember like sitting through this movie like, God, this sucks. <laughs> I, I hate this movie, but there's nudity in it somewhere I've heard. Aspen Extreme, just a silly, silly film. Yeah, I saw it described so, as Top Gun, but they're skiing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was bad. Okay, I'm going to say this. Uh-huh. This is the best skiing movie I've ever seen. What? Better yeah. than Ski School 2? Better, better than, here's the thing. Every movie I've ever seen doesn't really have human beings in it. It has, you know, these Animal House, yeah. Let's Save the Rec Center, Let's Become the King of the Slopes. This film actually has real hu- human beings. This is the story about two guys finding themselves. This is the story about dealing yes. with grief. This is the story about becoming an adult and... I was as shocked as you was. I was expecting ski school three skiing with more boobs or whatever ski school three is. But <laughs> this film was really well done. They have some of the best skiing I've seen yeah, in the 1990s films. Yeah. And uh, it was way over budget, incidentally, uh, for the time. And it didn't do very good. And I think that's because it was... A little too serious um, because this is not two guys become king of ski mountain. That's not what this is about. It's real people at a phase of their life where they're traditioning to adulthood. They got some great scenes in there where they're saying, hey, what are you talking about? Being a ski instructor is the greatest job in the world. And one person says, yeah, when you're 25, what about later on? What's going to happen? And oh, there's this for me, a beautiful moment when the two protagonists are driving in their van and everything they own is in that band with them. And they have this such freedom. And that's such a unique moment in their life. I, I had a moment in my life where literally everything I owned was on my backpack as I was on a plane. And holy crud, did that feel free. It just was this feeling of I can do anything, go anywhere. Mm. I'm not tied down to nothing. And then this movie starts there, and it ends with responsibility. I think it's great. Wow. It's a, it's a recommend for me. Did wow. not expect that. It's going to be a lot of diverse no. opinions on this show. Okay, yeah. Aspen Extreme, uh, strong recommend. Had, strong recommend. It had a line that my sister quoted for me throughout my entire introduction to drinking, let's say. <laughs> can I get a drink, please? Sure, what can I get you? You know how to make a tequila slam? I went to high school, yes. 
Yeah, Aspen Extreme. I can't wait to vote this out at our end of year category, JR. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so far at the beginning of the year that we're going to get to the end of the year and be like, Aspen Extreme? Who put that Which there? Which one was that? And then JR will go to bat for it again and we'll be like, ah, oh, shit. And then uh, <laughs> it's January 93, the biggest movie of the week. Doris Roberts, Joe Penaliano, Sylvia Sidney, Marsha Gay Harden, uh, Jessica Tandy, Kathy Bates, Marcelo uh, Mastrioiani, uh, and Shirley McLean. What? You're uh, Philistine. Uh, I know, it's Italian, right? Uh, Shirley McLean in Used People. Used People will touch your heart and make you laugh. Cosmopolitan calls it the warmest, loonyest family saga since Moonstruck. Only you're allowed to get whatever you oh, want your whole skinny, perfect life. Excuse me, does the food magically jump from the plate into your mouth? Starring Academy Award winners Shirley MacLaine. Did I ever for one second get as much as I gave? Kathy Bates, Jessica Tandy, and Marcello Mastriani. Used people. Used people. Man. Used people. Jewish Moonstruck. Yeah, that's and then when I saw this preview, I was like, because I was going to seek this because I'd never seen it. It's not streamable anywhere, and it's yeah. not the kind of movie that piracy community <laughs> shares in droves. And and Moonstruck is is my family. That was that movie was played in its entirety at my sister's wedding. That's how important Moonstruck <laughs> is to my family. So I don't mean to shit on it for that reason, but I also kind of don't want to watch Moonstruck ever again. Right, you're sick of it. Yeah. I, I get it. You can't separate it out from uh, bad memories of being like, but I want to watch cartoons. No, it, it's, it still happens to this day almost every Christmas that Moonstruck comes yeah. on. It's crazy. Ah, uh, that movie's fucking amazing. I, I, like this... I said, I think it was when my, my <sighs> relatives who sounded like the people in those movies, so when they all died, we watched that to remember them. Uh, mm. Interesting. Seriously. But, okay, so used people, it's it's sort of a similar thing. It's about, you know, this big, crazy, extended ethnic family, and uh, Shirley MacLaine's husband passes away, and now this, uh, Marcello Mastroianni is, you know, this guy who's like, let's try dating. And she's like, I'm a senior, no, and also you're Catholic. And then there's wackiness and wacky neighbors and wacky family and wacky, wacky, wacky. I admit I did not get around to seeing it. I have vague memories of it from 30 years ago and thinking like, that's cute. And that seems to be every every review is pretty much, that's cute. Yeah. Mostly, I just want to live in a world where Shirley MacLaine and Marcello Mastroianni can open a movie. Yeah. <laughs> that's the thing I do love about the 90s is like we have sort of these classic stars moving into this like elder statesman yeah. role. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love that shit. I mean, God, we've got Sylvia Sidney in here who had to be like 108. <laughs> and she just gets is... to do whatever. It's great. Is the only equivalent to that we have today like Tom Cruise or Harrison Ford? I think barely, but even like Tom Cruise can't s- star in a movie anymore. He's got a. I think he can. No, it's only I mean, well, only sequels to his other sh- his old shit. Okay, well, yeah, and uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, Arnold can't do it either. Only Tom Cruise. He's the last one left. But as, oh God, uh, to put this to put this in perspective, Shirley MacLaine was fifty eight at the time. Oh God. Uh, but there's yes, that's wrong. There's plenty. It's not that there's not plenty of work. It's just there's really not many movies that feature older people. It, yeah, they just that's aren't. A, well, that's about older people and older yeah, that people are about concerns. older people. Yeah, it's it, about them playing younger. I'm shocked to think. Oh my god, she was only 58 and she's playing such a grandma. It's sort of all. Yeah, it's kind of always been that way. But uh, you know, uh, anyway, we're moving to t- uh, television 1993 because this just like sent me down a <laughs> rabbit hole because. I oh, no. have vague recollections of this because Fox sort of created this 
oh man, we can all create our own network. And the reality was Fox was gaining ground critically and with viewers, but was struggling for like, it's a huge company. It was struggling for like a decade to make any money. Mm -hmm. Bear, I don't even remember. Primetime Entertainment Network. I remember this because I was such a genre fan. Yes. And that's kind of what they tried to make their niche. Yes. And it's, it's also... Because I, I kind of got into TV through Fox and The Simpsons because they would advertise all these other things that were coming on their network. And as a show we'll talk about in a second, they'd advertise it constantly on the Fox network. But it's like, but where is it? And I just never, well, and I never. I, I just got to start with Primetime Entertainment Network. It's, it's such it's, a terrible it name. It sounds fake. Because, it's, it sounds like Bill, Bill Murray runs in Scrooged. Yeah, because, well. <laughs> Where is it? It's on primetime. Oh, you mean between 8 and 11? No, I mean a channel called primetime. You've already fucked yourselves. Yeah, and like Fox, sort of how I remember UPN. We didn't have a UPN affiliate, but I think an affiliate licensed the primetime content of UPN to air that instead of whatever else it was going to air. So how P-T-E-N worked, and again, that's a horrible acronym. Mm -hmm. ABC, NBC, P-T-E-N. What? No. Yeah. Four syllables. How it worked was it had a bunch of stations, but they allowed them to broadcast their shows whenever they wanted. Yeah, that was really confusing. Oh, what? So that's so it's a syndication deal. That's not a network, right? But they started their business plan was we'll start as a syndication thing and then we'll morph into a network. Here's where it gets deeply stupid. A completely <laughs> different division of Warner Brothers starts was this. already in the process yeah. of making a broadcast network which would eventually become the WB. Yeah. So a different department of Warner Brothers started PTEN and from the minute it got out the gate the other division was like well, we'll cancel that cuz we want to do our yeah. own thing. Yeah, and because I think I think this network was created with leaning on the time part of Time Warner that we don't even pronounce anymore, but mm-hmm. Time Life, another merger no one remembers, they had a massive catalog of entertainment. And why not get together with a bunch of other affiliates? Because yeah, just when I, I think we have to explain that for some non-Americans, younger kid. When I was a little kid, and even in Tallahassee, Florida, I you know I get like t- almost twenty channels being broadcast, and they weren't all PBS. They were all these weirdo. I remember my claymation class made interstitials for nine TV. They ran an hour of Batman, an hour of Ninja Turtles. They didn't have any primetime entertainment. It was, it's yeah, so weird I, to think when about. I, when I went to the UK, we were talking about TV and they had five channels yeah. over the year. And you have to pay a license fee every year to mm-hmm. see them. A couple of those channels supported by the government. No ads. The ones that do have ads, fewer ads than they have in the US. Mm-hmm. We would watch Frasier and I'd point out that was an ad break. And they'd go like, what? And we're like, yeah. So wow. <laughs> they would ask me, how many stations do you have over the air at home? And I realized it's probably 12 or 13, but that's the big three, Fox, PBS, uh, Univision, mm-hmm. and then like a couple local channels that pretty much just run Big Bang Theory 24-7 yeah, now. Yes, or the Drew Carey <laughs> show in six-hour yeah. blocks. And also, that's where I'll watch the Chinese New Year's parade next month. That's yeah. it. You know, I, was at, I was at a small beach town, and I'm like, I guess I will watch an hour of My Favorite Martian in 2022. There's, they're still out there. Yeah. It's very okay, strange. Yeah, now, now MeTV block will, will take it over. It wasn't MeTV. I checked. Anyway. What yeah. also killed it, in addition yeah. to competition from its own company with the W. Yeah, they, they existed simultaneously for a very brief period. Jesus Chris Kraft, a boat maker, <laughs> decided that they wanted to launch a network. They 
hitched up with Paramount, mm. eventually launched UPN, and the UPN launch ate up so many of PTEN's primetime slots that it pushed them into a Friday night death spiral. Yeah. And oh they God. quickly fell out of business. So they lasted 1993 to 1997. Yeah. Which is, that that's respectable considering I'm looking at their series offerings and, and there's barely any. Yeah. But I the, think the one, the one that stands out is Babylon 5. That Babylon yeah. 5 started at PTEN. Sort of. I think, also, I think these were all. So, well, it started as a television film in 93 and then it got picked up as a weekly series yeah. and Kung Fu the Legend continues. And that's what they would advertise heavily during like batman the animated series there's the show time Cra time tracks and kung fu the legend continues and i'm like i would very much like to see those shows and i had no idea how but yes 30 years ago on pte and time tracks premieres a show i wanted to see and was never able to i i had mm. the exact same experience yeah genre yay i'm in time travel i love that it's an interesting concept basically uh, a cop from the future you know, is sent back into the past. Uh, people in the future have an average IQ of 200, and the average person can run faster than Olympic athletes. Well, what's the show we talked about last week? Uh, Key Largo. In 2013. Oh, no, not yes. Key Largo. <laughs> yeah, we talked about it. <laughs> we talked about, you know, you're getting ahead of Classic Corner if you're going to bring that up. But um, oh, my bad. Uh, yeah, we talked about something from 2013 that was about uh, a, mm -hmm. a cop and a cop criminal from, from the, the past. And they end up here and they don't have the same technology. Yep. They're ripping uh, off PTEN. Paten. Yeah, Paten. Yeah. <laughs> Paten. The Paten lawyers will, uh, you know, crawl out of their graves. Oh, my God. There's probably still one of them. Uh, but, yeah, it was uh, it was filmed in Australia. It had uh, Jerry Ryan, seven of nine, uh, in a prominent role. Uh, the time travel was the no paradox time travel. So mm. every time they changed something, it just made a different branching timeline. Mm. Ah. And do we want to hear the intro? Sure. It began in the future. A scientist turning to evil. A time machine called Tracks. Criminals who vanish. And a lawman with a mission. He has one weapon. And a computer named Selma. Good morning, Captain Lambert. With him, he will travel to a time more innocent than his own. Now he is among us. <laughs> a special breed of man. <laughs> Tracks, time tracks, uh, private eye. Never got to see it. I got to see plenty of Doogie Howser, whether I liked it or not. Is this the episode? Who the doesn't like Doogie. The Adventure of Sherlock. He's a tiny Hauser. doctor. He's a tiny doctor. So uh, the whole plot of this is Doogie Howser envisions himself as Sherlock Holmes, and there's this great moment in the Robin Williams documentary where they're talking about Mork and Mindy and how desperate they were to reach the magic 100 syndication number. Mm -hmm. So they kept throwing out all these crazy episodes. That's what the last season of Doogie Howser is. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, get us over the finish line. Let's get that syndication uh, number. And they only reached 97. So oh, oh. I, I it's good feel enough. like they it was never really that syndicated for that long. It was long. for us, yeah. Yeah? Mm -hmm. All right. Oh man, come on, make it a, a two parter, two part that you can put together and pretend it's a TV movie, and then you mm -hmm. put those into rotation. Come on, you can do it, tiny doogies. And I'm sad to report the uh, death of the irresponsible Captain Taylor. Oh no, no, this the it's the debut of the irresponsible Captain Taylor. <laughs> the irresponsible Captain Taylor is a really funny, wonderful series. 
Okay. So the main character is a total goofball slacker. And he, that's a genre of Japanese anime, but he's in the wrong genre. He's a total slacker goofball, but he's in this giant space opera anime series. And he just like drifts through battles and just you're never quite sure. Is he succeeding because of blind luck? Is he succeeding because he actually knows what he's doing? And to this day, fans of the anime can argue, was he faking it? Or did he know what he was doing? Mm. It's a very funny uh, show. Uh, it's free on both the sub and the dub. Gorgeous text design. It's actually a pretty interesting space opera in and out of itself. But once you throw in the genre mishmash, it works. It's, it's just good fun. All right. <laughs> All right. And we also have this week uh, is the 50th Golden Globes, um, hosted right. by... Jesus, Louis Gossett Jr., Leslie Nielsen, and Jane Seymour. <laughs> yes. I want to take them out to dinner so bad. <laughs> I want to play tennis with them or bridge. I'll learn to play bridge. Play bridge. Especially if that means Leslie Nielsen will come back to life. Yeah, I'm in. Anyway, pretty much uh, same stuff as most of the other stuff. Scent of a Woman wins Best Drama. Beating Crying Game, A Few Good Men, Howard Zen, and Unforgiven. That's actually a little bit of a surprise. Uh, player wins Musical or Comedy. Awesome. Al Pacino for Scent of a Woman. Emma Thompson for Howard's End. For acting, those follow the the Oscars will follow that. Uh, Tim Robbins wins for The Player. Miranda Richardson for Enchanted April, which is actually kind of a surprise. Beating out uh, Gina Davis in League of Their Own. And Charlie McClain used people. That's why this movie came out right now for awards. Mm. And Meryl Streep and Death becomes her. Okay, that's robbery. No. <laughs> Supporting actor Gene Hackman, Unforgiven, yes. Joe Plow, Wright, Enchanted April. I will point out Marissa Tomei not even nominated in this category hey, that she'll win the Oscar for. I'm upset. Best director, Clint Eastwood. And uh, in TV, Northern Exposure wins Best Drama. Mm. Again, they should not be running in drama. This has bothered me for 30 years. This just show is not a drama. there's no laugh track. I don't get it. I guess. Yeah, it's an hour long, so that means it's a drama. When will that be streaming? Fix your music rights. Roseanne wins for musical comedy. Sam Otterson for I'll Fly Away, which had already been canceled. John Goodman for Roseanne. Regina Taylor for I'll Fly Away. A um, bunch of people winning for the Stalin TV miniseries we talked about very, very briefly. And a big and, Roseanne but, sweep. Jesus. Big Roseanne sweep. And then uh, Sinatra winning for miniseries of television movie. So, Chris, your grandfather's man. Hey, from the grave. He's all happy. Beating out yeah. Citizen Cohen. He didn't like that movie. Uh, oh, the, it made Roy look bad. <laughs> he was his protege. Wait, my dad's not done. Never mind. Yeah, moving on to briefly the video games of 30 years ago. January 20th to 26th in games. Uncharted Waters on Super Nintendo. So have you ever wanted to sail a ship, buy a metric ton of cinnamon, yep. and then have your family starve because no one wants to buy cinnamon anymore? We will eat the cinnamon. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, we'll we will take the cinnamon nutritious. in seawater. We'll take the cinnamon and challenge overseas. Yeah. Well, it, it's a trading game. And one thing that it does really well is simulates the pre-Telegram world. Before the Telegram, how much was cinnamon going for in the west indies and how much was it going for in paris you had to literally sail to find out the difference of prices and that's what you have to do in this ship you have no idea how much things are going to be because there's no telegram so you just sail around making your trades as best you can it's very much a one more turn game it's, it's... it's a little similar to a farming game in that except you're a trader <laughs> sailing back and forth it's a popular japanese series Run a longish running Japanese series, but it's probably 
a good argument for 30 years ago that all video games are for kids because there's nothing in this that would appeal to a child even slightly. <laughs> How much is Cinnamon Wolf, Daddy? This is big, uh, speaking of betraying children, Top Gun on, <laughs> on Nintendo platforms, but Guts and Glory is another stab at greatness. Have you ever wanted to play a flight sim on the Game Boy? If so, what is wrong with you? (laughs) For God's sakes, I could never land the goddamn plane in the NES version. I tried to do it in this Game Boy version, and I still can't do it as a 40-something-year-old dude. I cannot land the plane. I can't imagine. How many people's eyesight was destroyed trying to deal with a flight sim on something that's, you know, three inches square? And unlit. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Damn. Unlit, yeah. I, I can't even imagine how this look I, I wish nintendo stopped the mini console thing right when like you should have a rechargeable black and white game boy i would love to have of one of those everyone amazing. has said this it's it's a no-brainer just have a game boy that's the size of the game boy yep. that has the buttons of the game boy mm-hmm. but that has a hundred game boy games on it uh, the, yeah it's a license to plant money uh, yeah i'd hold my breath for 30 games but uh but still yes the point remains um uh, but then finally music of 1993 i will always love you by whitney Houston. is still number one um it shocking. never shocking. it will never go away but ha, so this ha, is my promise to you <laughs> ha, have either of you seen i want to dance with somebody yet hell no, no. It's a documentary on her that's out right now. And it's as bio- it keeps no, coming it's a up. biopic. It's not a documentary, right? Biopic. I thought it was a documentary. Nope, it's, it's a, a biopic. biopic. Mm-hmm. I think it's a biopic. Oh. I know it's directed by Casey Lemons, who's someone I, I really respect, and I, but I've not heard good things. Oh, um, never mind then. Yeah. And then, uh, and then uh, other new music releases this week include uh, the Triflin' album by King T, uh, Dusk by Thee Thee, Perverse by jo- uh, Jesus Jones, Star by Belly, Fire in the Dark by Billy Dean, and Friends Can Be Lovers by Dionne Warwick. However, we're going to close that with Rhythm is a Dancer by Snap, because it's on the charts this week, and nothing yeah. quite embodies my time in 1993 like a yeah. little snap I, we, people look back at you know 92 93 94 and all they talk about is grunge and it's mm-hmm. like music has literally split into like three types of music yeah. and that's it yeah there is uh grunge dance pop and hip-hop has literally just started yeah and, and, and but there's so much i love looking at the charts and being like oh lithium by nirvana and also rhythm as a dancer okay <laughs> rhythm <is a> dancer. <laughs> All these songs would live on in jock jams for another 10 years, but uh, let's close out with some snap. But when we come back, people, one of our more interesting decades in a while segment. So stay right there. Coming in with Trogdor, <laughs> 2003. Welcome to 2003. A little burninating from Trogdor himself. January 20th to 26th. Why we got Trogdor here, Diana? I have to apologize to all our listeners, to my co-hosts. I thought I had done all of the research on all of the Homestar Runners so I could pull out all of the most important things that ever posted on Homestar Runner. And it turns out I just sent myself an email reminding myself to do that, and I never actually did it. Mm. And so last week... 
we missed the 20th anniversary of the Strong Bad email dragon in which Trogdor the Burninator is introduced by teaching us how to draw a dragon with an S and then a more different S and a big beefy arm, etc. Et uh... I am so sorry. This I feel like this is the greatest failure I have ever had <laughs> to not mark the 20th anniversary of Trog Day. I am going to go live in a cave in the mountains now. Last I heard it, I was playing it in Guitar Hero. Hells to the yes. <laughs> I mean, the nice thing that came out of this is when I saw it online, I was like, oh, fuck. And I, I retweeted about it real fast. And one of our listeners said that his teenage son loves Trogdor and didn't know that they shared a birthday. Hey. So, uh... so something nice did come out of it. So January 13th, everyone put it on your calendars for next year. Trog Day. Trog Day. Th- that counts as a new music release. I'll, I'll take it. Uh, other new releases for January 20th, January 20th through the 26th include uh, the self-titled album by Master Plan, Master and Everyone by Bonnie Prince Billy, and The Raven by Lou Reed. Lose Yourself by Eminem is still number one. And then a little bit of news bringing you the wonderful world of 2003, the final communication between Earth and NASA space probe Pioneer 10. At that, at that point, s- 7.6 billion miles from Earth. Jesus, that's quite... <laughs> yeah. So uh, this was intended to last 21 months. It lasted more than 30 years. <laughs> what, uh, damn, was the man. signal stronger than, than they expected? How did that even happen? So Were they lowballing uh, themselves? NASA seems to lowball itself a lot mm-hmm. uh, because it's like, you know, well, we said it would last 21 months, but it lasted 30 years. So come <laughs> on. We're pretty awesome, right? The doctor said the but, same uh, thing about me. But also, we don't have a whole lot of experience with Mm. interstellar spacecraft, which is what this is, (laughs) okay? So you you might be a little wary of, oh, yeah, this is definitely going to leave the solar system. Really? You've never done that before, so maybe maybe under-promise, over-deliver. This communication device also has one of the few messages We've sent into outer space in the hopes that an alien finds it. Right. This oh, is. I know you've this. Probably one. seen this. It's, Send it's, more Chuck Berry. No. <laughs> it is a naked man and a naked woman with directions on how to find our solar system. So I do picture aliens finding this and going, "God damn it!" More unsolicited nudes from the humans yes. and directions to their home. <laughs> That's that's if the satellite doesn't become crazy and star in the first Star Trek movie. And then also but, this week, we have the United States for, formation of the Homeland Security Office. Hooray! You know, Homeland Security starts operating after 9-11. They realize, we have all these departments that kind of share similar things they should do, but they're like in different parts of the government. So let's have like the Customs Service and the Immigration Service. Maybe they should be under one umbrella and also the transportation safety and the national stockpile of emergency stuff and FEMA and the plant and health inspection service. Like, yeah, these were all at justice or transportation or agriculture. And they're like, okay, let's just make one. We'll make a new, a a new office that'll cover all that crap. And what did they do with it? Well, they spied on everyone. Overset their boundaries. Oh, (laughs) immediately. Yes. It's a good, it's a good time to be a movie fan. I'll tell you that much. Because uh, in 2003, we have, uh, just topping off the list, Zhuan the Grudge, the original Grudge movie is out. Is it out in Japan yeah. or is it hitting America? Japan. I Japan. Bl- yeah. And, but this is really the start, I feel, of J-horror mm-hmm. becoming international. When you combine mm-hmm. The Ring 
with this, both of which get American remakes, mm -hmm. J-horror becomes a thing that horror fans are much more familiar with post-2001-2002 than they were pre. Yep. I mean, it's not that Japan didn't make horror movies before that, but these were their two breakout movies. Right. And in Jew on the Grudge, there is no happy ending. This is not <laughs> like in uh, Cabin in the Woods where the evil has been defeated. Now Kiko's <laughs> spirit will live in the happy frog. That is that is not what happens here. Okay. Japanese spirits on Ryu are not like American ghosts or European ghosts. They do not fuck around. They are not tied to anything like getting their bones reburied or bringing their killers to justice or saying their names. They want to hurt everyone. Everyone. <laughs> Whether they had anything to do with them or not, they just want to mess stuff up. And the Andriyu in this film does exactly that. It, it's a house, and everyone who goes in that house gets messed up, and there's no safe spot at all. You can't hide. You can't defeat it. Once you set a foot in that house, you're just doomed. And it had one of the creepiest scenes I've ever seen. There's this Japanese girl washing her hair. You know, you're, you're, you're getting the uh, shampoo in. And then a third hand reaches in and starts yeah. rubbing that. Can you imagine if you're washing your hair and suddenly you feel a third hand on your head? <laughs> Live alone. It's kind of comforting. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah it's, it's a scary film. It's starting off the J-horror trend. It's a recommendation. I, I got And I just got to give another plug to a little format called the Digitally Versatile Disc. Because previously it was very, very difficult to bring any kind of foreign entertainment uh, overseas in any home media format and DVD made it cheap and easy. So like you didn't just have to like read about this bootleg it, buy it at comic cons. This was, this was available at like blockbusters before the remake. So it's, it's just kind of a nice time. It's one of those things that DVD gave us. Yeah. hundred percent. Have you ever bought any like Japanese anime or uh, movies? They always have like 16, what do you call those logos that come up? All these companies that, didn't really need to exist just to bring $80 tapes over to America. And then also this week, is this, we got the directorial debut of George Clooney? We do. In a movie, I cannot believe how long this movie was kicking around and how many different people almost directed or starred in it. Yes. And the... it is finally, finally here. And people don't really pay attention and they should have. Uh, yeah, it's it's a totally fun movie. Uh, Rudger Howard, Julia Roberts, George Clooney, Drew Barrymore, and Sam Rockwell, I think, in his kind of his first starring role. Yeah, um, definitely biggest starring role. The story of Chuck Barris, uh, his autobiography, host of The Gong Show, producer extraordinaire behind a bunch of 70s gang shows, and operative for the government. Which... And colossal liar. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But like, what really sucks, though, is that he dropped this lie. And for mm -hmm. years, he maintained it. And everything was more fun. <laughs> He's like, no, I just wanted to sell more books. That's why I made up that what I was a CIA operative. Yeah, while he I'm was not... an assassin for the CIA while he was running the dating game. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that seems believable. I absolutely <laughs> believe this man. But how is how can that not make a fun story? You throw in Sam Rockwell dancing, boom. George Clooney is kind of a great director. So I'm, I'm, I like this movie, and uh, I, I recommend it. <sighs> 
I couldn't get into it. I tried watching it, and honestly, after about a half an hour, I just shut it off. I don't know. It wasn't really, really, no, it wasn't working for me. Well, I mean, he's definitely an unreliable narrator. I think that's pretty clear. And he is a total asshole. And that's (laughs) that's what makes the idea that he's being recruited to the CIA so fucking stupid stupid is he is a dick to everyone he is a total like he's the whole first chunk of the movie is about how he's you know just a total pussy obsessed idiot chasing women all the time he's drunk he gets in fights he's a fucking idiot failure moron and then the cia is like you're exactly what we're looking for (laughs) a guy with no impulse control whatsoever is exactly what you're looking for it's that's what makes it silly and honestly george clooney shows up as the cia handler wearing a really fake mustache and i wonder how intentional that was I, it's really fake. Well, it, it's a bummer that uh, I mean, it's, the script is credited to Charlie Kaufman, and he says that Clooney messed with it too much, including taking out any reference to drug right. addiction. Which, if you've ever watched a single clip of the Gong Show, Woo! you know how much he rubs his nose and his his pupils are like fucking dinner plates. They, like you they can, are blown out. You can see the cocaine and the sweat on their lapels that go down to their knees. It is. Just wonderful to watch, see that much drug use on television. <laughs> yeah, and so they're not even pretend. So I don't know, that got cut out. Uh, Drew Barrymore's character is completely fictional, which again, just kind of keeping with the theme. But to see how, lo- like they were working on this back in the 80s, it went into turnaround. Like they offered it to Richard Dreyfus wow. back in the 80s. And then they offered it to Kevin Spacey and Edward Norton. And Ben Stiller was attached, but then he was too busy. And it's like, so many people took runs at this so there must be dozens of scripts and i kind of i feel like there's one out there that is like the missing piece that would have made this an absolute masterpiece Mm -hmm. but it's still i found it a lot of fun because wow is he an idiot yeah if i if i would have written a movie that i just told you right off the bat was fictional that had sam rockwell as a game show host slash cia assassin You'd be, yeah, okay, I, I'm fully down. <laughs> that should be the new James Bond. I would love to see that. And we didn't yeah, quite. He's, th- he's so much fun in it. And yeah, George Clooney, I mean, you got all these great people in it, mostly because George Clooney called in some favors mm-hmm. and said, could you work for scale so we can bring this in under, under budget? You know, I'm not going to really take any money. I just want to do this. And, and he makes a pretty Soderbergh-y sort of version of it. You know, you can definitely see his influence there. And um, yeah, no, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. I thought it was pretty fun. Confessions but. of a Dangerous Mind. And as for the movie, I, f- I thought I had seen, but I had only seen clips of so many times. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank God my lady and her daughter were massive fans, told them this was coming up, and I was forced. Like, one of the rare occasions, like, oh, you, we have to watch that. I'm like, all right. Yeah. And I should mention, we've had a lot of people asking, did did I miss you talking about this movie? No. And no, it because they put it into wide release in award season so they can have ads like this touting how many awards it's getting. Yes, before it hit any any town but three. Tay Diggs, Christine Baranski, John C. Riley, Queen Latifah, Richard Gere, Catherine Zeta-Jones, and Renee Zellweger, Chicago. The verdict is in. Chicago is the most nominated motion picture of the year with 13 Academy Award nominations, including Best Picture of the Year. God, that's beautiful. Rolling Stone is calling Chicago a sexy knockout. You're damn right. Spectacular, dazzling, bold and funny, exuberant entertainment. You couldn't buy that kind of publicity. This is the Best Picture of the Year. That's Chicago. Chicago. Shut up. PG-13. Woo! And uh, I mean... Yeah. Jazz hands. Of course, yeah. Diana likes it, but like, yeah, totally fun. 
Like an absolutely fun film. Like the well, is it a directorial debut of Rob Marshall? Tis because uh, it's based on the Bob Fosse play from right. Yeah. And well, and... you really want to go back. I think it's based on a book, which is based on a true story. Very vaguely, every time it gets adapted, it gets changed a bunch. And then well, just, yeah, still watching it. My, there my, was my late... a Broadway revival in 1996. Okay. After OJ, when it was like, hey. This plot is relevant again. The Broadway <laughs> revival of 96 was successful, and that inspired the movie. And, and yeah, so they'd been, this is another one that they'd been trying and trying for so freaking long. And I, I while we were watching musicals it. Musicals were dead. Yep, they, exactly. They were dead. And this got an Oscar because it made Hollywood go, hey, maybe we can do musicals again. And it's not yeah. it's not on a Moulin Rouge budget level either it is it is mm-hmm. just kind of classic and uh, yeah. that that'd be my only like slam against it because like every scene is like on a very stagey kind of thing it's like all on well, a stage but it's the, it's the point they are all 100 percent on a stage because this is going on in the character's mind i all the characters are thinking of themselves as famous people diane i could not get over like watching this movie i'm like this is what sucker punch would be if it wasn't stupid if 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 yes if, if it wasn't great, fucking great stupid if, if like if, that, if the cutaway yeah. to like the glitz and the glamour had some metaphorical basis in what was actually happening that's maybe what sucker punch could have done i hadn't thought about sucker punch ripping i couldn't Chicago, yeah i yeah. couldn't stop thinking about it yeah no that was the, it's a com- kind of a complaint i have i think this movie gets away with that characters don't burst into song we see a musical number going on mm-hmm. in basically like a fictional club in their heads while stuff is going on and so you know it's hosted it's by metaphor. satan tay diggs jesus christ yeah, that, that it's a metaphor instead of characters literally bursting into song and that's kind of a cheat i feel like they're kind of cheating to be like no 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 no, it's not that kind of musical on stage they just would have burst into song mm-hmm. and that's how it but you know this they're they're giving people who don't like musicals who that is like a bridge too far of like i can't when people start singing and dancing in the middle of a scene it's just so dumb so they're taking that away to make you feel better but you can still have all the big musical numbers and still really enjoy them and, it, and then rob marshall tried that again in nine and it sucked it sucked <laughs> uh and i did while i was watching it somebody said who's the choreographer who did the choreography for the movie and it was it was rob marshall so yep. it's his credit and 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 i would get to moments where i i get to in a lot of old-timey musicals there's ooh plot plot interrupt for a song and i'm like i kind of wish you didn't see I would disagree. No, I but that's what I'm. That's what I'm about to get to. I, when they in, when they interrupt the song, it's to elaborate on the feeling of the scene, and that's okay. why it's not annoying. And mm-hmm. but but I, I, it does it does occur while you're watching. You were in the middle of a dialogue sequence, and you will cut away to a song. And if you just wait for the lyrics to kick in, they will elaborate on what they will <laughs> exactly advance the plot or the feelings of the characters that's yeah. what the best musicals are supposed to do mm-hmm. yeah. the well, songs well, are not just there for show the songs are integral to the story yeah comedies live and die by their jokes musicals live and die by their songs i love these songs i thought yeah. they all worked really good yeah. uh some of them are classics but some of them are new for the mr uh, movie. Oh. I'm Mr. And, uh, uh, but like the, the murder song, 
the one about Amazing. all these sexy, sexy, sex girls murdering people. I mean, it's yeah. dark, but it's wonderful. Yeah, dude. Pull out, the first time that Red Scarf came out, I'm like, all right, this is fucking, this, this, <laughs> this is awesome. And if I can just, I I was watching it with my lady's daughter, who's a huge fan. It was, it had already been like, this has been watched on HBO Max in the last week, <laughs> kind of thing <laughs> happening. Uh, it's streaming on HBO Max. And in the beginning of the movie, I'm like, oh, Dominic West. I love him. And she's like, don't get too attached to him. Like, why? He's like, do you know what this movie's about? And I had to turn him like, I guess I really don't. And then immediately, <laughs> the character I just gleefully exclaimed, made a gleeful exclamation over is shot in the chest to death. <laughs> and like, yeah. And I'm sort of like, I, I guess I really didn't know what this was about. Because the previews only show you the musical numbers, but it's about. Lady, lady prison what a great yeah, setting well, for a musical yeah it, it's wait, about it's... the quest for criminal fame now yeah. normal fame it's pretty stupid to chase normal fame you're chasing normal fame what you're really wishing for is i wish a bunch of people i don't know and will never meet cared about me mm-hmm. yay criminal fame is i wish i was such an evil person that people knew about how evil i was yes my holy oh, crap no no it's not even that oh that i'm evil i'm I've been wronged. Oh, I'm an innocent victim of circumstance. Like, I should I mean, that's, run for Republican office. And, yeah, oh. that, that is the thing that, that they're doing, because this is about women who've committed murder who are then manipulating the press to try to get away with it. It yep. is a very dark comedy, which is that that's the, that they never talk about how yeah. this is a media satire. It is a dark comedy. Yeah. Just so like razzle dazzle, all that jazz. We're dancing, 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 and it's like, dude, you're scaring away some of your audience. This is fucking yeah, fucking even, mean. The, yeah. the trailers give you the impression it's about this these aspiring singers, and like, well, for the first ten minutes, and the, the rest yeah. of it is about people trying to achieve just this awful fucking affirmation for the worst thing they've done in their life. Everybody in the movie kind of sucks. Yeah, everything. Yeah. Everything As is corrupt. The prison is corrupt. The court is corrupt. The media is corrupt. The lawyers are corrupt. And uh, and everyone is fucking great at it, too. Yeah. Oh, my God. John C. Riley might oh, be John the only innocent guy and he is treated yeah. as the schmuckiest schmuck to ever schmucked a schmuck yeah oh he's so sad he's so sad you just want to hug him the whole time but man everybody queen latifah fucking kills in this movie and mm-hmm. i wish to god i looked like her in her big musical number <laughs> as mama her tits are amazing <laughs> she should always dress like i'm sorry i was really distracted by like okay, there's got to be some corsetry and some lifting and stuff. But like, if I were built like that, I would always dress that way because it's incredible. And it's so like, it's sexy, but also really imposing. She's so much fun. This was such a huge breakout role for Queen Latifah. Is Mm -hmm. this, is this her first movie role? No, no, no. no. We've talked about her a bunch before, but okay. To do, to do singing, not rapping. Yeah. To show like, oh no, she... Yeah, she, she, she always kind of sang song. in her songs, but she was yeah. a rapper and like, nah, she can sing. She And then, yeah. you know, she's, she wins an Oscar like not too long after this. Like just by... Oh getting... no, she gets, she gets nominated. Oh, I, oh, she didn't win? No, Queen Latifah got nominated. Catherine okay. Zeta-Jones wins because she had done all this sort of stuff on the West End, but she hadn't really done it in a movie before. So she had the training to do it, but we hadn't gotten to see her do it. Yeah. And she destroys she is, she is, every fucking shot and just is so visually striking at being able that good looking and doing those things like she i don't know became like kind of iconic for me watching the film like uh oh, yeah 
wow, I didn't know you could do any of this. I remember your butt from entrapment, but but in terms of like being able to use your body as an instrument, like, holy shit, I didn't know. I had no idea. Yeah. And all considering Renee Zellweger keeps up, like mm -hmm. all she had to do was keep up. She does a really good job, but she's not someone who has that level of musical experience. And she obviously worked really, really hard. She lost a lot of weight. Yeah. Like you can see her ribs sometimes. I'm like, I think you went a little too far. Yeah. They're, but... they're, I, I made the terrible male joke during the movie that somebody should have done a pledge drive for asses. Because um, <laughs> every, everybody was way too skinny. It's the flapper look. That, I know. That was, I know. That no, was I'm not talking flapper. like rib cages and shit. Like there, there's like a lot of rib cages. Very skinny people. Yeah. Uh, yeah, people are very skinny. Um, it turned out the Richard Gere role was actually the hardest for them to cast. They they tried to get John Travolta really hard, which would have been a lot hmm. of fun. It would have been nice to see him go back to musicals. Yeah. But I think, again, another guy, no real song and dance experience. I think Richard Gere does such a good job being so smarmy, but so charming yeah. as, you know, this lawyer who just has no soul whatsoever. Yeah. There, there's a great scene where he says, I didn't ask you if she was guilty. I didn't ask you if she did drugs. I asked you if you had $5,000. You said, yes, you don't have 5,000. You're a liar. I don't deal with liars. Get out of my office. Yeah. I, it, but also the, maybe. The, the bizarre experience of watching this with a teenage girl who loves the movie and like, you know, we made the mark of like, well, this is not what you'd expect from Richard Gere. And she's like, who's Richard Gere? I'm like, well, that's tough to say. Like, as I yeah. discovered on 30 2010, he's kind of a leading man in movies geared towards women, like Maybe. almost exclusively. Yep. He, he, I, I don't, not sure if I've ever seen him hold a machine gun or anything like, <laughs> like, like as, 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 as actors go. That's a good point. Yeah. He, yeah. He, he's in a lot of uh, erotic thrillers and, uh, romantic comedies, but he doesn't really do stuff that like would get my attention outside of Primal Fear. Like I don't know him from much, but yeah, I was it was trying to explain to her he's one of the biggest movie stars in the world at this point, like the most bankable guy you can put in your movie and guarantee to make money. And this made a fuck ton of money. Holy oh, yeah. shit! Uh, just yeah, yeah, just a, a yeah. very economical. A well-made musical too, like that. Yeah, it cost probably about forty-five, fifty million dollars. I think it was fifty, and it goes on to make like two, three hundred. Makes yeah, over three hundred. It's got yeah, lasting staying power. It does great on DVD because it's fun and it's eminently rewatchable. Yeah, and, and like a lot of other movies we watch, you know, where is this streaming? HBO Max. This is showing on TV like six times this week. So <laughs> a lot of how many other musicals can say that right now? Uh, that's a good point. Every we get a musical, I feel like every couple of years, mm -hmm. and this might be the last one that hit like really hard. I know Greatest Showman actually did surprisingly well. Yeah, and, and built a lot by word of mouth. But this is like I don't really have any complaints. Mm. So. This is my favorite <laughs> musical of the 21st century. Wow. All right. Well, yeah, it might be just because oh, there's not a lot of competition. <laughs> I mean, I guess if you include animated musicals, it makes it a little tougher. Mm -hmm. No, live action. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, that's, if I'm not being clear, very recommended for me. I, I was yep, in, in the too. mood to watch something out of the ordinary. Musical sounded perfect. Period musical sounded even better. Lady Prison musical. Come on, man. You're not going to be able to beat that. Chicago... Yeah. Is... Yeah, I was I was worried I wouldn't be able to get you to watch it because no, no, you'd no. just be like musical. 
I just got confused with it's a music about murder. I got confused with the release dates because they were kind of all over the place and sweeping the award show two weeks prior. Mm. Yeah, like it was it was just that's why I texted you about it. Like this we are talking about this next week, right? Because I'm gonna watch it. That meant I didn't watch the number one movie of the box office this week. Yeah, just squeaking past Chicago going into mostly wide release. Mm And building off of all those awards nominations and everything is another horror movie. Another hey. horror movie. It's January. Yeah. League of Emma Garfield, Jenny Clay, Darkness Falls, ladies and gentlemen. It's number one. She won't come in the light. Who? You know who. He won't sleep, not even for 10 minutes at a time. We stay in the light, we stay alive. Don't let them put him in the dark. Critics are calling Darkness Falls a terrifying thrill ride. Darkness Falls. It has a 9% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> I guess it's yeah, that one I'm critic. Surprised so, we had some people reach out and be like, you should actually check this out. It's something different. And I was like, is it? I, I watched it. I didn't find the at different, honestly. Okay. I'm mildly surprised that a series about a leprechaun can get eight <laughs> movies in it and a horror series about the tooth fairy being evil can only get one but Aww. that's the world we live in i i didn't find it to be new or that well done mm-hmm. i thought it was pretty yeah honestly i mean like what you like listeners if you like this tell me why because to me it was just c at best mm-hmm. Mm. So not not self conscious yeah. enough of its own kind of mediocrity. We just had an evil spirit killing parents movie, didn't we? Mm. Well, <laughs> we had Mama, but that's 2013. But I mean, yeah, the idea that's like if you get into a certain amount of darkness, then the tooth fairy can get you. It's like okay, there's a lot you can run with with that. I guess what level of darkness are we talking about? I don't know. Sounds interesting. Well, but yeah, yeah I you... mean, it seems like I feel like this and Jeepers Creepers should just combine into one series, and there you go. You're done. Well, now I'm wondering if that horror game where your chief weapon is a flashlight. Alan uh, Wake? No. <laughs> uh, God. It's asynchronous horror. It has a whole bunch of different monsters. They get like the Freddy monster. Dead by Daylight? Get Dead by Daylight. Now I'm wondering if Dead by Daylight was inspired by this because the only thing that works against this monster is the flashlight. And uh, that's what Dead by Daylight is. You can only hurt the monsters by blinding them with a flashlight. Generators and whatnot. But I am so much more bored by this. Like this week in television <laughs> is absolutely insane with, uh, I think, at least, I would say at least three of the most culturally significant things of the year. And I, I, I think that's me not being fair to a couple of other things. Let me let me rattle off that first of all, Super Bowl 37 <laughs> this week. The last Super Bowl that'll be scheduled in January. Tampa Bay Bucks win their first championship, beating the Oakland Raiders 48 to 21. The halftime show is by Shania Twain and No Doubt in Sting. Nice. Yeah, we called this the Pirate Bowl. Right. Buccaneers versus Raiders. Pirate Bowl. And yep. uh and I I, I couldn't f- it, this is one of those weird lost SNL things over a decade after In Living Color did it, Saturday Night Live runs a special weekend update during the Super Bowl halftime show for mm. about 20 minutes and I can't find, other than that Gollum appears, <laughs> I can't. I couldn't find any appear, anything about it. <laughs> Jimmy Kimmel Live debuts on HBO. I remember this after the Super Bowl. George Clooney HBO. is the first guest. ABC. What'd I say? 
ABC? Yes, ABC. HBO. Sorry, ABC. <laughs> uh, uh, the name, I believe, Jimmy Kimmel Live still appears in the show despite not being live. But uh... <laughs> Yeah, they, they had a incident happen. Yes, they did. And after that, they said Thomas Jane was the instigator of that, apparently. Oh, was he? And uh, oh. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were talking about something else because the, originally Jimmy Kimmel, like he leaves the man show on Comedy Central to do this and like, yeah, we're going to be live and we're going to feed the, uh, plow the audience with booze. And they did mm. for two weeks until like, this is a terrible idea. People <laughs> getting sick on, on Disney's dime, uh, blurting out things <laughs> live on television. Absolutely not. So like all the things they, they kind of, di- we're going to have different co-host every week, which I was super cool to me. They'd have like a comedian in the Andy Richter spot for five days straight. And where we are now, like I don't watch talk shows, but I do spend some time with monologues and Jimmy Kimmel might have the best monologue to watch the next day. Uh, he's really just does something a little different. Usually at least a prank a week. Funny. See, for me, I think his biggest lasting impact is going to be celebrity reading mean tweets. That's because that gets shared <laughs> everywhere. You don't have to have heard of Jimmy Kimmel to have seen some celebrity reading a mean. Tweet I think, and, and also up until he's, was semi-famous for crying on television because he politically had changed some things because he had a kid born with a serious heart disease who barely made it. If you Google Jimmy, YouTube Jimmy Kimmel crying, Vegas shootings and where he's from, he's cried a lot <laughs> during his monologue and will make impassioned pleas for elected officials to do things and they'll come on the show saying that they will and sometimes don't, but it's like, it's different. It's different. It, it's a different flavor than what the other guys are offering. And I don't know. I, I find true. him very watchable. No, that's true. He, he does get, he gets a lot more personal than the yeah. other guys do. Yeah. It gets in, uh, I think he challenged Ted Cruz to a basketball game. Like <laughs> I, I think, uh, Oh my God, his feud with a Mike pillow guy. Anyway, moving on also this oh, week, sorry, one other, there's two other things I think he'll be remembered for mm. on October 21st, 2015 back to the future day. He had awesome. Christopher Lloyd and Michael J. Fox appear on his show. That that's going to get remembered. It's it's almost unfair because he is the host of the Tonight Show on the Disney Network. So every single big thing they promote, he gets those guests. Whereas the other guys may or may not. He'll get yeah. the entire team of the Avengers for two nights or some mm. shit like that. Anyway, moving on to a show I like, but like I started, I watched a little of just to remind myself. Picking it up on D- picking it up on DVD twenty years ago, Penn and Teller bullshit debuts on Showtime, and it just reminded me how like it it doesn't hold up because you know all this stuff now, but at the time maybe you didn't. But like yeah yeah, I mean the internet was not as big right. in two thousand two, not as many people were on it, and I still think there's a huge spot in the world for. These are scams, people. Here are the scams that are around you at all times. I mean, obviously, that's still something we need to work on constantly. That's a never-ending fight. And uh, they had their biases. I'm not going to pretend they they didn't. Yeah, they had a bunch of stuff that I I remember I stopped watching the show. They're, like, debunking vegan arguments. Like, this dude's wearing a belt that looks like a leather belt. And even if it's not leather, he's appropriating a leather culture. Like, shut up. Like, the dude needed a belt. Shut up. Yeah, I I find it really fascinating that yeah, we're we're at a point where the inter- the, the internet is definitely a pretty big thing, but social media has not really no. weaponized that yet and we have two two count 'em shows about debunking things. Yep. Mhm. 
And it's true. It, 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 I wish we had them more and that they were required. Because, yeah, this one they're just talking about, like, talking to the dead, cold reading. How, it, how do people do that? How you mm -hmm. are getting scammed by people who say they are psychically talking to your dead people. It gets, it gets yeah, more serious and gets, and there's a lot, you know, there's always an occasional episode where, like, Ugh, I don't agree with this at all. Too libertarian. When does recycling make sense and when does it not? Yeah. Because sometimes it doesn't, people. It, it, it's not cost effective. It's not good for the environment in some cases. And in other cases, it's incredibly good for the environment and incredibly cost effective. Yeah. You know? Bottled yeah. water. And, and I love playing this clip from the first episode because a lot of it's criticism like, why all the potty mouth? Why? And I love <laughs> what Penn has to explain to you right here. And this is bullshit. That's the name of our show. We're going to hunt down as many purveyors of bullshit as we can. Sure, we lie, cheat, and swindle. We've been known to deal in a bit of bullshit ourselves. So some of you may ask, why pee on someone else's parade? One important difference. We tell you we're lying. You'll notice more obscenity than we usually use. That's not just because it's on showtime and we want to get some attention. It's also a legal matter. If one calls people liars and quacks, one can be sued and lose a lot of one's money. But motherfuckers and assholes, it's pretty safe. If we said it was all scams, we could also be in trouble. But bullshit, oddly, is safe. So forgive all the bullshit language. We're trying to talk about the truth without spending the rest of our lives in court because of litigious motherfuckers. <laughs> Love that That loophole. is such a great point. That yeah. is, yeah, liars and quacks, that, that can get you sued, but... Yeah, you can call someone a bullshitting asshole all day and you're in the clear. Yeah, we've seen John Oliver get sued a couple times for doing his thing. So like, yeah, you steer you steer clear of litigious terms with a little more cursing. Cool. And then yeah. so the two yeah. big eight, eight hmm. seasons on bullshit. Eight seasons. Yeah. And Amazing. the one sadness that they canceled it a little too soon because Penn and Teller wanted their final episode to be the bullshit of bullshit where they would show all their own inaccuracies, present criticisms of the show, examine their own biases, but uh, it got canceled before they could do that. So, oh man. And yeah, I ch for a while, all of the episodes were on YouTube uncut and that is not the case now. So I don't know where mm -hmm. they lie. Bullshit. Penn and Teller bullshit is a good segue to these are my top two culturally significant shows of this entire year, if not the decade and onward, Mythbusters debuts on the Discovery Channel. And yeah. yeah. God, I love this show so much. Not it's... just because they're local and I've seen them around every now and then. Yeah, I, I love like you go to the Castro Theater and Adam Savage would ride, ride his bike up because he's just around the corner. Yep. And... I think I might have gone to film school with Carrie Byron. I'm not sure, though. She debuts this week, her, her first on-screen yep. appearance, because the first season it was Jamie uh, Heineman and Adam Savage trying to do all this shit themselves. And they basically found a better format where another team could go and bust Miss at the same time. But like... It, like I, I, there's channel drift, blah, blah, blah. Discovery doesn't show learny stuff anymore, but like what a clever mix of like real science and just super hype situations. What a great <laughs> show. Cause you always do learn a little something about science, even inadvertently. And I know my, my YouTube will constant to this day, Adam Savage is being asked questions about Mythbusters, and I, they always pop up in my recommends because I, yeah, even if because I, I never like made it a point to watch the show, but like I'd always disappear somewhere in like all day marathons of it because it's just <laughs> so fun. Because like 
because it's like a they try and figure out if a myth is true or false. Like I remember, can a cell phone detonate a gas <laughs> a gas pump? And like, uh, well, no. But let's see how we could get a cell phone to detonate a gas pump uh, <laughs> just to have an explosion on TV in a way Do you, you know how recreate. Adam and Jamie originally gamed minor yeah. celebrityhood. Yes, uh, that they were all like uh, special effects artists. And uh, but they were also on BattleBots. BattleBots, yeah. Ah. And their bot was apparently a very good BattleBot, and it just kind of spiraled out from there. Yeah, I think that's how Grand Mahara got there as well. He was like one of the only like officially sanctioned R two D two operators for Lucas at, wow. at some point. But yeah, I, what <laughs> there is... were so many amazing myths. My favorite one: Were you there when the internet went nuts over whether a plane could take off from a treadmill? No, no. <laughs> oh, in my geek circles, this was a huge thing. It was all over the place. Let me ask you guys, do you think a plane can take off from a treadmill? I don't know. No, I don't think so. I don't think the air will be moving fast enough over the wings. Yes, a plane wow. can take off from a treadmill. What? Oh, and that's it's, that's another one of my favorite things about myth. We were, you know, Diane and I were Bay Area people, but that massive freeway sequence they shot for Matrix Reloaded sat there unused after that movie until the Mythbusters came along and they constantly used it. So every time you saw them doing something with cars or car crashes with a bay, with a bay in the skyline, that was the Matrix Reloaded <laughs> freeway. Overgrown yep. and I am legendy. Hell yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, uh, let's see which ones I, I, well, I like they're attempting an Alcatraz escape by making a raft out of the raincoats. That was pretty mm -hmm. cool. Oh, what was the other one I was just thinking of? Oh, whether you could refloat a sunken ship with ping pong balls. Uh, Scrooge McDuck. Yes. Yeah. That was mm -hmm. fucking cool. <laughs> they figured, oh yeah, you can do it. Here's how. We figured it out. Is it useful? <laughs> eh, but it worked. That, that was but pretty good. They were just willing to go anywhere. They were willing to go, well, okay, people say this. Let's see if it's true. And, you know, I think the influence of Mythbusters is actually going to be felt over generations. Yeah. Because I genuinely think millions of kids got more interested in STEM because of this show. Because this yeah. made STEM super cool, super exciting, super easy to understand. And Every episode is enjoyable. It's, and it's if you're, awesome. you're paying attention, it shows you what kind of jobs exist in this industry outside of like just working in a lab. There are ballistic mm -hmm. experts and uh, yeah. flotation There's experts. The, and the yeah. folks that work down at the San Mateo bomb range. That's yeah. fun. <laughs> the time <laughs> they launched something out of the bomb range and into the neighborhood next door. Yeah, but <laughs> that it was not good. Went on for over almost 300 episodes. So it, I think there's an entire channel where it's just constantly on reruns and it's only, I think Jamie Heineman has no interest in revisiting this, but just mm -hmm. uncomfortable with celebrity. But Adam Savage is still basically doing the same thing. But Mythbusters, I, I just, I want to see someone who, how can you hate it? It's like impossible to hate. No, it teaches you the scientific method by blowing shit up yeah. or writing down how mm -hmm. many times you fart. Yeah. Oh, yeah. and let's not forget when uh, we had that, you know, that little uh, COVID thing, you know, that's obviously over. I know I got what? my baby. In it. No. But they, they had a thing on like how spreadable diseases are by mm -hmm. using different colored dyes on how masks can help. But way before there was a pandemic. The bullshit did the same thing with vaccines. Mm -hmm. They there's You can mm -hmm. find the clip online. It's like there is no truth to the saying yep. that one out of 110 vaccinated kids will develop autism. But let's look at if it would. 
let's look at this group who get one out of 100 autism yeah. and this group who get whooping cough, polio, <laughs> uh, scurvy. Yeah, yeah, not scurvy. Mm. That's But yeah, all these things. And then they say, look, even if it's true, which it's not, it's bullshit. This is still much better. And then a, a, a hard pivot over to comedy. Uh, I'm rich, bitch. Uh, the the yeah. debut Chappelle show debuts this week <laughs> on not bring your kids on Comedy Central. And I mean, like I know we all have mixed there's mixed feelings today about Dave Chappelle, but I think he has an undeniable genius. And as a young comedy fan, I absolutely knew who he was and was rooting for him to do something great. And turns out like just kind of giving him his own thing to do whatever he wants was not only a recipe for success, it was it became the recipe for like a dozen other shows on Comedy Central. That's true. We just talked about Kroll Show, yeah. Kroll Kroll show, show last week for 10 years later. You know who has a spotless legacy is Charlie Murphy. So let's talk about Charlie Murphy <laughs> instead of Chappelle because Chappelle, I feel like, has lived long enough to become the villain in so many ways. But Charlie Murphy, RIP, never did. Yeah, yeah, uh, and Donald Rawling, he's all good. Oh, Donald Rawling's and so a, funny. And a young, a young, behaired Bill Burr. <laughs> I feel like the story behind this show is also like half the interest because how often do you have a young comedian get a huge breakout role, be given what it was it tens of millions? No, not at dollars? first. Not at first. Uh, no, but with it by like season two or three, Comedy Central was just shoveling dump trucks worth of money at him that he threw away <laughs> mm-hmm. that he and then, said, then he said no yeah i'm not doing this he threw away and i think he finally if you didn't see that viral clip figured out some because it, it, it is odd it's a pair it should be a show that's on paramount plus but it's so popular it runs to this day over the air on comedy central it streams on netflix hbo max among other places because it's just so popular and like it was one of those shows that was so popular with us because we loved Dave Chappelle's uh, comedy prowess was undeniable and it just took Hollywood forever to figure that out so we would go we would go to our friend's house every Wednesday night and watch this as a group and the, the first episode is I'd say it's like it's fine until you get to the blind Klansman sketch, which is just like <laughs> Clayton Bigsby, one of the most unbelievable things I'd ever seen on television at the time. Just, I mean, I cannot not laugh at that skit. It, that is, yeah, it, it's so fucking funny. It is still so fucking funny, and and something that like just a year ago nobody else would have been able to get on cable. That, that kind of sketch, and it's just unbelievable unbelievable uh that it, it i'd say it blew our minds but i'm also thinking of a racist guy's head blowing up in <laughs> in this very yeah. sketch no i you know which one i think blew people's minds was the wayne brady show yes the, well i mean the, i think that that was something that's like we couldn't believe he would do that we couldn't believe that they would show it they couldn't believe that wayne brady is gonna have to choke a bitch <laughs> <laughs> yeah to get someone like wayne brady to do something so bizarre i I think that kind of blew people's minds. I don't think Wayne Brady's ever lived in town. No. And 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 <laughs> I, I also respect, I really did respect Chappelle for like walking, like to walk away from that much money. Because I, I think, remember last week I said the peak of DVD was 2005. That's when it was the most adopted purchased format. It's high point. In that year, Chappelle show is the best selling TV show on DVD, period. And that's where the Ooh. Comedy Central, the, 50 60 million dollars came from like you need to keep making because this is making us a shitload of money on deep like way more than commercial revenue so you need to keep making this and he walked away from that and his explanation 
you know, is sort of vague, but like he's kind of clear. I remember when I started thinking like, was that sketch good or just like, what if Godzilla was black? And like, if a racist white dude did that sketch, it would look the exact same as yours. And he mm-hmm. mentioned he mentioned being uncomfortable with the kinds of laughter he was getting and, and, and where he was getting those laughs. And I wanted to say there's some overlap in my like, was that a good sketch? That happens a little later in the series. But yeah, it's, I think creatively he was totally spent and the fame was becoming a little bit of a burden and walked away. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we got... Two pretty fun But seasons. he had all the money he needed. He hasn't been hurting for money since then. He no, already had all the money well, he, he needed. Because of, that was something he did a little later, because I remember when, upon arriving in San Francisco, that was the first $100, $200 comedy, like, punch, Cobb's Comedy Club ticket. And that that was insane back then. Now, for, for like an arena, maybe, but like, that was crazy. And he made most of his money. He didn't make a lot of money. If you didn't see that viral clip, he talks about like, he waived his rights to any further payments from Chappelle's show from breaching that contract. He's never received a cent from the show wow. up until like last year. He did something in the SNL monologue about it and something else that went well, viral. And we I think they finally- bring that up because mm-hmm. he brought back like, most yes. of the Chappelle show characters on in SNL. His SNL appearance. Yeah. And at the oh, same time, I, I did not watch that, but were the player haters there? Because that's yes. kind of my favorite. Yes. I love but that's not the same without Charlie Murphy. Charlie Murphy was the best of the player haters. I'm sorry. I love Chappelle's True. voice in that. And, and it, cause he <laughs> vaguely hinted, like I've had an inkling to return to the show, but as long as like we sell this forever and you make no money, like how will we ever work again? It has my name and face all over it. Yet. I don't get anything. Uh, and it looks like they work something out. So I think, you know, depending on how you feel about Dave Chappelle, and right now I am in the, I am very disappointed in you, Mr. Uh, Camp, mm-hmm. um, but hold out hope for some kind of redemption or realization from a man I consider too bright to die the villain. I really <sighs> do. But uh, anyway, that's television. I hope so. But you know. yeah, I mean, in the broader sense, it definitely brought, a, a black point of view and a different sensibility to a lot of topics that weren't getting covered and brought them to frat boys who will yell, I'm Rick James bitch for the rest of their lives. Yeah. And like you said, for better, or for worse, like how many, how many racists are laughing at the dumb N words on TV? Yep. I'm allowed to say that cause they're saying it and it's like, Oh no, what have we done? Yeah. Yeah. But okay. 2003 living color has been off the, Air for a number of years. Yeah, What's the other black comedy show? Sit, uh, sketch comedy? Sketch couldn't couldn't sketch tell you, man. I, I, I'm, I'm sure there was an attempt here and there, but nothing with the cultural resonance of In Living Color, yeah. Chappelle's show. I think that's yeah. worth something. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think the, the sketches that hold up really hold up. And it's, oh, I remember how irritated in the second episode, like, what? You're going to have a musical guest? I'm like, some of them are really cool musical spots, uh, but it's just like, there should have been more comedy here. Uh, <laughs> well, that's what I always say on SNL, too. But. Yeah. Yeah, but they, they sometimes do something interesting, like, uh, oh, what's his name? Most Def- Is that his name now? He goes by something else. But just, he's rapping in a car. Like, he's in a car doing it live, like pre-carpool karaoke. You can't hear this anywhere else but this show. And, uh, anyway, Chappelle's show, you know, I know people have complicated feelings about him, but I you know, think he's a kind of a comedic genius and hopefully we'll show that again someday. Uh, and then moving on to games of 2003, January 20th, 20th through the 26th, <laughs> Paddle Engine Aqu- Aquila is out. Everyone's favorite. Um, Everyone's favorite. Do you know the main character's name in this? Please tell me. Aquila? Hawk Winter. Hawk Winter. 
That's that'd be my call sign if I'm flying with Tom Cruise. Hawk Winter's on your Hawk team. Win- You're too low. You got to pull up. Hawk Winter doesn't listen to orders. And then I bomb crash. Crash. Odd. Ten, almost ten years to the day. We, we mentioned DMC. Devil May Cry Two is out on PS Two. Uh, so I'm not a DMC fan, but I looked this up, and this is reversed in the series by most fans. Yeah, of the very divisive. Very divisive, but you know, like by the time I got to it, the course was corrected in DMC three, so I just totally skipped it. I've never played Devil May Cry two, but it's available in trilogy form out there. Can't say the same for Black and Bruised, a game for GameCube and PS two. I do not think you can find it every, anywhere. Every two thousands three D game should have been cell shaded. Yep. It holds up so much better than anything else. This mm-hmm. is a cell shaded boxing game. Still looks pretty good. You just up-res it with a few tweaks and boom. A dolphin works. emulator, yeah. Then last, but possibly leastly, the <laughs> the game series that had previously moved exclusively to marketing its boob jiggle physics and its fighting oh, game no. has decided to branch <laughs> out into a spinoff. Dead or Alive Extreme Beach Volleyball is on Xbox. And I just love that it's one of those things that we get to say as humanity. We did that? Yeah, yeah. we did that. Well, okay. <laughs> This is a very well done, highly detailed volleyball game with good controls, an excellent volleyball gameplay system, beautiful graphics that just happens to be pro-breast, okay? (laughs) (laughs) It is objectification the game. It is strange. And I was working in... Games around the time of its sequel because it's been <laughs> spun off. It's it's had sequels, and the marketing materials were something that would get somebody fired nowadays. But Dead or Alive Beach Volleyball celebrates its twentieth anniversary. Hooray! Yeah, I I gotta come to a little bit of its defense. This has some of the best sand for two thousand. I remember. And I remember the graphics are honestly the best for two thousand three. I really don't think anyone had as good of graphics as this game had in 2003. No, they were, they were kind um, of renowned for that, the Dead or Alive series in general. That's why it was yeah. only on Xbox, the most powerful system. Yeah. So in addition to uh, playing volleyball against the other Dead or Alive girls, you get to have relationships with them and buy them <sighs> gifts, uh, often swimsuits, uh, swimsuits that if you wore them in real life would get you arrested in Brazil. <laughs> Oh. But uh, yeah, one one thing that did happen from this game is that its creator sued yeah. a hobbyist website for putting a nude mod out there. And mm. they alleged that uh, it broke their law and the site was shut down and the defendants reached an undisclosed sum with the company. But that didn't last. I mean, go yeah. ahead. There are nude patches for any game you can wish today. So I don't know what happened there because the legal precedent seems to be in the company's favor. Did they just decide let the boobies fly? I I because I, I have to imagine they probably had something further in that it was a console game and those are not meant to be modded, and bra- you you violate Microsoft's rules by doing that. Uh, in addition to Tecmo, so there was probably a much larger legal entanglement. I don't know what makes it everything okay on Steam, but it you know just kind of is now. That's just something we don't we don't regulate. People want to make their game characters nude. Who are we to say no? <laughs> you don't get to sell copies of it or stream it, but you know, yeah, to each their own. 
I guess. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's close out 2003 with something from Chicago. Um, I'm thinking Cell Block Tango. That's my favorite number too, man. Well, I'll, I'll, Seconded. I'll go with that. Seconded. Couldn't stop screaming all that jizz at um, my girlfriend because she both loves this movie and just discovered the name, a big Star Wars fan who just discovered the name of their genre of music, which, <laughs> look it up, people, it's George Lucas approved. Jizz is the, that, yes, it was not a sperm reference. But whatever, let's close out with some Chicago music. Cell Block Tango. But stay right there. we got one more segment in the can and apparently the worst movie ever to talk about. He had it coming. internet and all the ships at sea it's time for diana's classic corner we go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching and for the week of january 20th through 26 i actually didn't find any new releases in the different years that i look at to talk about so i'm going to relate things to current events and stuff we've already talked about i guess so let's start with 1942's roxy heart the previous adaptation of the same thing that Chicago is based on. Sometimes it's also known as Chicago or Chicago Gal, starring Ginger Rogers. And it's a fun movie, but I mostly bring it up so you can contrast and compare with the 2002 Chicago. So you can see how the censorship codes of the 40s screw up the story. Because you can't have people get away with murder. You can't have bad guys win. You can't show the courts to be corrupt or the cops. So it's about an innocent person who makes a couple wacky mistakes and everything is great. Her <laughs> Rogers is just adorable and charming and she's, you know, so cute of just like, oh, gee, I'm going to prison. Isn't this a lark? So, yeah, Roxy Hart from 1942. It's just fun on its own. But when you contrast and compare, oh, my God, you're just like, oh, what could we have had from Hollywood if they weren't such worry warts back in the day? Anyway, let's go to 50 years ago this week, as Chris mentioned in 1993. It was the 20th anniversary of the Roe v. Wade decision, which means <sighs> January 22nd is the 50th anniversary of the Roe v. Wade decision. And uh, in honor of this, I encourage you to give to Plant Parenthood because they're not an abortion factory. They give people, you know, contraceptives so that they don't have to get abortions. And also support your local abortion funds and never, ever vote for anyone who says that they want to criminalize abortion. Because after they come for abortion, they're coming for contraception next. They're already doing it. They want to take away people's IUDs. They say that they want small government, but they also want to put cameras in your uteruses. Anyway, also in 1973, we saw the release of Black Mama, White Mama, which, that title, okay. But it's a uh, it's a black exploitation film shot in the Philippines with Pam Greer and Margaret Markov as two women on the run. And because it's shot in the Philippines, it's actually really pretty, like... They're in the jungle, and the jungle looks really good. And that just makes me want to recommend there's a new documentary on Netflix called Is That Black Enough For You? by film critic Elvis Mitchell, where he talks about black films of the 70s. Not just black exploitation, but, like, really good films. And he goes through so many movies that, like, I, I'm going to need a bibliography because he mentions a lot of stuff, and I want to watch all of it. A lot of stuff I've already seen, like Black Mama, White Mama, and Coffee, Shaft, obviously, Superfly, but also, like, The Learning Tree. He gets into 
Sounder. So many good movies. I, I, it's a really interesting documentary. And then also, also this week in 1973 is when we lost Edward G. Robinson, who is the kind of actor we absolutely do not have anymore. He's one of those guys that was a big star. I don't think he ever won an award for anything. But man, when he pops up, he is bringing it. So before the production code, he made a movie called Five Star Final, which is kind of like Chicago in that it's also about the corruption of the press and sex and violence. And it's like sexier and violenter than you expect from a classic movie because that's what we had until they started ruining things. And uh, his last film was Silent Green, which took place in the far off year of 2022. So yeah, if you want to, uh, you know, get nostalgic for last year. You should totally check out Silent Green. It's, it's actually a pretty damn good movie, but, you know, come on. So, yeah, that's it for this week. Stay classic. Upon a hill across the blue lake That's where I have a first heartbreak I still remember how it all changed My father said Don't you worry Coming in 2013 with Don't You Worry Child by Swedish House Mafia featuring John Martin. It is on the charts this week. Welcome to 2013, our final segment of 302010. New releases this week for January 20th to 26th, 2013 also include Adam Ant is Blueback Hassar and Marrying the Gunner's Daughter by Guess Who? Adam Ant. Start the Party by The Blackout, Let, uh, Let It All In by I Am Clute, Wolf's Law by The Joy Formidable, True North by Bad Religion, a self-titled album by Classified, We Are the 21st Century Ambassadors of Peace and Magic by Foxygen, Set, Your, uh, Set You Free by Gary Allen, and Reborn by Trapped, as well as Roulette by Blue. Oh, God, I wish I'd heard of any of these. Uh, Locked Out of Heaven by Bruno Mars is still number one. A little bit of news to bring you into 10 years ago. The U.S. Armed Forces overturns ban ban on women from serving in combat. Yay. Way to go, ladies. You can now die in an unjust war. Exactly. If you want to go get yourself killed, who who are we to stop because you got ovaries and stuff? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The results are kind of mixed now that we've had years of it experience. They've done a couple of studies. Like something I deeply miss from the internet era, Vine. Vine debuts online. TikTok, pretty cool. But I, but like Twitter was never more fun when it was, what, 128 characters? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yep. And Vines. That, yeah. That is part of the art form. I know they fucked form. it up so bad. How did they fuck it up? Explain to me why... Did Vine fail? And TikTok, I think, is as popular as Google. For, this is really based on someone who is very passing knowledge on both of them. One, TikTok. If you wanted to put music in your video, you would have had to do that through another app that was than Vine. You have no effects in Vine, and TikTok has all that shit in the app. You can put in whatever music you want, do editing effects, all that stuff. But Vine was the beauty of the internet is the six second joke it's like one of my favorite formats on the entire internet the six Mm -hmm. second joke and the people who rose out of here my favorite being will sasso like i he shows up in one of the movies here i'm always like yay i love the lemon guy but also someone i I was around someone who was like who are jake and logan paul like it all goes back to a little thing called vine that's how they rose to prominence uh vine and they by gosh they were good at it. Very, very short form comedy, but it was uh, Twitter who did that, right? And like, I don't mm-hmm. think it so much failed as in like Twitter's like, man, we're not going to support this anymore. And like, your company doesn't make money either. 
Like, it <laughs> doesn't yeah. mean this isn't a viable format. Only lasted like three and a half years. Yeah. I thought I thought it was brilliant, and when because yeah. I, whenever I get to a TikTok, I'm like, "This is getting this is like over a minute long. What are we doing here? What are we doing here? We're really messing this up. Uh, yeah. This should be on YouTube and in a landscape format." Uh, <laughs> I, I remember doing podcasts about this this week ten years ago. Disney announces the fi- the final trilogy. I, I don't think they said it like that. They didn't say we're closing. They just said the sequels. The we're, sequels. We're we are doing... bringing out. The sequels, which for Star Wars, fulfilling the vision, one of the many visions George Lucas publicly stated he had for the movies that there would be nine movies. Mm-hmm. A lot of people hung their hat on that, and he definitely did say it. But he also said twelve movies and six movies mm-hmm. a thousand times too. So, like, I don't know, but I definitely like all I ever wanted in my life was to see a sequel to Jedi. And man, well, I I was, you know heavily into nerd culture in 2013 and Mm -hmm. i saw the message boards light up against this and on the star wars thing it was like oh gosh i hope he does the grand admiral thrawn trilogy from timothy Mm -hmm. zahn and they did not do that they uh they went in a very different direction uh we'll, we'll get to it eventually but there was some pushback even in 2013 there were people who were sick of jj abrams mystery box in 2013 and that was that was brought up it was like well now star wars is just going to be lost mm. and it wasn't but there's still a couple of abrams abrams isms in there as well that led to like why did you they, give him the conclusion oh my god yeah. you know we can't it do this it was the surest sure thing in movie history and they didn't plan it out yeah they really didn't have a plan for the three trilogies and i do not get that to this day at all we have a whole show sick of star wars new episode this week much delayed episode this week we'll get to it but i don't know that you need to have a plan because if you have a well laid out plan and it it unfolds over the course of several years and people figure it out because you have to forecast moments from it. Why wouldn't you adjust? So I don't think having people forecast your movie ruins your movie. I think it's still a, a can be an amazing experience, even if jizz fan for 20 had predicted it four <laughs> years ago. <laughs> yeah. They're always going to get that. But, but I also like, again, can't wait to talk about it. The cottage industry of people talking about the future of star Wars created a drug for certain people <laughs> that when they didn't get exactly what they'd been talking about for years, they lost their fucking minds mm-hmm. because you couldn't just wait and see what this wait and see what the food that was being prepared for you was thinking they would read all your recipes no (laughs) no of course they wouldn't anyway i love talking about this made a whole show about it movies of 2013 january 20th to the 26th we had first movie uh sophia to call uh ariel kebble uh melanie diaz Tarek lowe alex karpowski supporting characters yeah so this this sucker barely got released but critics all really liked it the ones that got to see it because it's made by people who are like pretty low level folks in the film industry and it's about pretty low level folks in the film industry, you know editors and like sound designers and and you know their lives their loves their day-to-day stuff and you know it sounds like any other kind of like light relationship comedy with you know a, a wide cast of people except that they all have oddly interesting specific jobs mm. like okay you know i I do get sort of bored of, yeah, their lives, their loves, they're living in the city kind of movies. 
unless they have something yes. different about them. You need some sort of hook. Oddly, you gotta have a gimmick. Odd and specific jobs is one of my favorite like sub sub movie genres. Please give it to yeah. me. So so I I admit I didn't get around to watching supporting characters is kind of hard to find, but sounds like it's pretty good. Well, there was a much more star-studded movie we had to get And to. here we go. I have broken the cast list into several paragraphs for you. Here you go. <laughs> oh, God. Hugh Jackman, Kate Winslet, Liev Shriver, Naomi Watts, Anna Ferris, Chris Pratt, J.B. Smoove, Emma Stone, Kieran Culkin, Richard Gere, Kate Bosworth, Jack McBrayer, and Azif Mondavi, Justin Long, Jason Sudeikis, Uma Thurman, Bobby Carnival, Kristen Bell, John Hodgman, Leslie Bibb, Christopher Mintz-Plast, Chloe, Grace Mortez, and Patrick Warburton, Matt Walsh, Johnny Knoxville, Sean William Scott, Gerard Butler, uh, Halle Berry, Stephen Merchant, Terrence Howard, Elizabeth Banks, Josh Dumel, and depending God on which version you watch, Dennis Quaid, Greg Kinnear, Common, Will Sasso, and Seth MacFarlane as himself. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Movie 43. What is Movie 43? It's a smart movie with heart. I want to get over you. I want to give you a hickey in your... Boom! Oh, God. It's witty. It's clever. I caught you a leprechaun. Oh, it's obscene. It's offensive. She's having a period. What do I do? Not too bad. On the stick. Uh-oh. How, do, how are we going to do that? This is a movie that is about something. Sort of like the help. They look tough. You're black. They're white. Y'all gonna kill those Caucasians. Movie 43. It's basically a cross between Family Guy and Schindler's List. Thank you. Read it off. Movie 43 will win worst movie of the year award on most everybody's list. Movie 43. Yeah. Now, I see what they're trying to do here. It's a sketch comedy movie. Sketches last five to seven minutes at best with these ridiculous stars doing things that are very gross and embarrassing. Okay. It's Kentucky Fried Movie. I get it, Farrelly Brothers. I see what you're trying to do. Amazon Women on the Moon. Sure. Mm -hmm. Okay. But. Any comedy lives and dies by its jokes. Yeah. There's maybe two jokes that will get a in this entire film at best. Yeah. Most of the jokes, it's a nervous laugh of, I can't believe they're doing that and then that's it then there aren't any more jokes besides that for instance the very first bit is hugh jackman and kate winslet uh they're going on a date and it turns out hugh jackman has very realistic testicles like hanging off his neck and apparently no one else sees them but he wears kate a scarf Winslet's very very distracted he wears a scarf it's and he takes to off be a scarf. metaphor for noticing small flaws in your date is it though or no, is it the no, balls? No, I'm just bullshitting funny. right now. Oh, okay, ball, cool. balls are funny. No, no. And so, the, so you laugh when you see, oh my God, those are like really realistic testicles. And then they just keep doing things because there are testicles there and there is no punchline. And the jokes are pretty much, ew, testicles. That's because this film is not a film. They do shrink. It's a collection of bad sketches. There yeah. are far, far funnier sketches on YouTube yes. than in this movie. And in, in, yes, in uh, certain European territories, they got rid of the framing device, which was a psychotic Dennis Quaid pitching a movie at gunpoint to Greg Kinnear into three three kids trying to find a banned movie. Yeah, and which yeah, is, it's, ends it's, up being a better the version premise. I saw. I'm not. I'm not sure. <laughs> I I got a French. I got a French one. So one of the sketches, like, well, I just don't understand this because it's all. It was all able to be dubbed. It was the commercial parody, so like I don't oh. know what this is. The story of how this movie got made is far more fascinating than this movie will ever be because <laughs> yes. basically they had 
some small influence over Hugh Jackman. He owed them a favor or whatever. And he said, fine, I'll be in your sketch movie. And then once they got oh. Hugh, they used that to snowball. And K- Hugh, um, Hugh Jackman and Kate Winslet, they mm-hmm. use that as like, this is in our movie. Would you like to be in a sketch in this? And it's like, well, I guess if Hugh and Winslet are on it, I guess uh, I'll be in it too. And then they're like, well... Now we have Elizabeth Banks and Naomi Watts. Wouldn't you like to be in it, Chris Pratt? Okay, I guess I'll be in it too. And it just kept snowballing. Now, uh, here, yeah, here. and they were so many of those are filmed. They're filmed by different directors at different times. And I know because we talked about Zero Dark Thirty like two weeks ago. You can tell this was filmed quite a bit before because Chris Pratt is still chunky. Yes, <laughs> so you know but, it was filmed at least well, the a year They got these stars to work for scale, and they did it by saying. No more than four days. I will film this whatever is good for you. And if that's next year, then it's next year. I will show up at your doorstep. You don't have to walk out your door. We just want you. I believe the story with Richard Gere is like, this sounds bad. I don't actually want to do this. And I'm doing something and I'll be busy for a year. And like, well, wait a year. Uh, I'm yeah. going to be in New York, not LA. We'll move to New York. It's a two-day shoot. Get Jack McBrayer while he's working on 30 Rock. But he- here's the thing. As, as a big sketch comedy nerd, okay, first of all, first of all, this is not the worst movie ever made. It's not even the most unfunny movie of this year. Like, Haunted House is worse than this, period. Mm. There, I, I could fix this movie. I'll get into it later. There are some funny moments in this, and I wish it would exist. Yeah. What, I, what I know yeah. from being a big I, Mr. Show fan is that they... Bob and Dave, Bob Odenkirk and David Cross, Bob Odenkirk, who has a deleted written and directed sequence in this movie, which is really should have been there because it's much funnier than a couple why of things. Why not? Like, why not? What are, what are you losing? It, yeah, it's 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 on the DVD. It's a pair. Well, here's uh, the thing. There was what, 15 minutes of credits? Yeah. Because the mm-hmm. movie wasn't long enough? Yeah. So well, I, that had to be Bob saying, it, I don't want to be in your film. From, you can't use my thing. From, from, no, well, from. I think it's. The credits are probably because each one is shot with a whole different crew. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, yeah. If you look at the editors, there are like nineteen editors on this, as opposed yeah. to three or one. Okay, so here's from being a Mr. Show fan, and Mr. Show got canceled, and had they they even have a book called Hollywood Said No about the pitches they said no to. They did a live tour of a sketch movie called Hooray for America that couldn't get a green light, and they were like, Hollywood actually really, really, really wants a sketch movie, but. You know they don't want a funny. <laughs> they they don't they, they they tend to bail on it uh, if it looks complicated or it might be divisive. But uh, the the producer whose name I'm forgetting, but he is like essentially, for lack of a better word, the figurehead of all of this because all the directors are different. Charlie something he's not a director to make an R-rated movie for teenagers, which is a hard sell in a pre-streaming world, and that should definitely exist. And Bob and David said they they constantly got indoors of people like we want. A Kentucky Fried movie. Not only that, agents for these actors, they want to do something against type. They want to do something outrageous and funny. Not a whole thing. They don't want to be in a whole Fairly Brothers movie. Also, couples want to work together on small, short projects. And there's a couple Mm -hmm. couples in this movie that I don't know if they work together. Uh, Yeah, whatever. This movie... It's offensive and crass, but like that's the point. And like, I was shocked by how like not terribly offensive it was in this. You know, yeah. and, and and compared to other stuff I've seen in sketch comedies, I think there is nothing in here content-wise that goes beyond something you would see, not necessarily in Family Guy, but Robot Chicken. And Robot mm-hmm. Chicken would make the joke in thirty seconds, whereas this movie. <laughs> Dude, like when you watch Dave Chappelle, there when you watch Dave Chappelle host SNL, 
He does a monologue. He does one of those Chappelle sort of sketches. And then he does one other sketch. And they're always two minutes long. There's no reason for some of these sketches to be as long as they are. But because it's a movie and they need to fill time, blah, blah, blah. I mean, the problem is they don't escalate. Like the the point of humor is it should be constantly escalating. And it's like there's a couple times where they do. And I would kind of chuckle like the um, the sketch with uh, Johnny Knoxville, Sean William Scott, and they they get a a leprechaun. Who's Gerard Butler. Who's Gerard Butler. And it's like and and Gerard Butler keeps uh telling them all the horrible ways he's going to kill them and trying to kick the shit out of them. And it's like, the, it starts with, I got you a leprechaun. And then it starts, they heighten the joke to, he's really mean. He's beating the shit out of them. Now there's murder going on. It's like, okay, there's some escalation. Same with the Halle Berry and Stephen Merchant sketch, which is truth or dare gets completely out of hand. I thought that was and fun. It ends up, it, it ends up in a gross, just gross places and racist. But it's like, again, it is escalating. Okay. Yeah. But most of them, it's just sort of, here's the gross thing. And it and doesn't, and, applause, and and doesn't have an like, ending, but it, Mr. Show, Mr. Show would have found a way to make a transition sequence to a different sketch. Yeah, Instead, this they, just has to end. They, and They don't escalate and then they don't stop. Yeah. And some of them were just dumb in the first, like the, the Richard, the sketch with Richard Gere, dumb. Where, which is, is really stupid, but there was ways you could make it funny, stupid. Like the whole point is that there's an iPod that's shaped like a naked lady, a full-size naked lady. And people keep getting their dicks mangled because they're trying to fuck it. And they act like this was not a foreseen consequence. (laughs) There are places you could go with that. Yes. They don't. They don't at all. They don't try. I think, I think (sighs) that's, that that's where I'm at with it. Like I, I not only don't hate this movie as much as because I think when reading criticism of it, like, man, fuck you, you guys are going to hate every comedy and you're going to hate every sketch show. If that's, if this is how you feel about this movie, not you guys, because the, the comedy's not good. And I think uh, James Gunn wrote and directed a piece in this that's buried at the end. And he said, like, I didn't even edit it. I don't even know. I've never seen it. Like, cause it was just kind of taken right. away from people. Yeah, it's 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 totally yeah. all right. Elizabeth it, it Banks the directed the the period sketch, which is like yeah. knowing that like well, that's not uninteresting. But like I think mostly this this movie is written by people who no don't anywhere. know don't know any women. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's it's clearly for thirteen year old boys. And I think you know I wish it wasn't, but there's a place for that. Blah blah blah. I I just wish this should happen all the time. Movie forty three, a, a better version. But like, mm-hmm. this is a, a totally solid concept and it doesn't suck because of the concept. And I think that'll be the takeaway. Never embark on anything like this again. Because if you've seen the movie, The Ten, that's the closest thing I can think of to this. That movie's fucking awesome. Ten short uh, by the state guys about uh, the Ten Command. No, there, there's room for anthology type totally. movies, especially sketch ones. But yeah, the, it's just so baffling that you get so many great people with such weak ass scripts. Every single yeah. one sounds like a couple frat dudes got high and wrote down their first thoughts. Wouldn't and it then be they, funny if we did this extreme thing it. we never saw before? And, and then that's it. And like, and he, yeah, but that, 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 that over, yeah. it overstays its welcome in almost all of its uh, uh, vignettes. It really does. But it, ha- yeah. but that's not to say it's never funny because that's not true at all. It, it's it's definitely funny. I just I feel like it, it chuckles. It was chuckle funny. Yeah, <laughs> but it's not. But I, but again, I didn't <laughs> see. Laugh hard laugh. I didn't see but this in the, in a theater. And yeah. had I, 
maybe I would have had like something south of my there's something about Mary experience. It was still like the funniest experience I've ever had in a movie theater, especially at a time when all movies were marketed at teenage white boys. I mean, if you found a theater that had people in it mm -hmm. to see this because the word of mouth on it was so, so bad because it when is marketed really bad. It's like, what is movie 43? Yeah. And that's why they named it Movie 43, because they had no clue how to get people to actually see this. So their entire marketing thing was, yeah. look at all these stars we have. What is it? You want to see it, right? But then, like, the... the first person who saw it was like, no, everybody, no, you don't. I sacrificed myself for you. Learn from my mistakes. I, I, miss, I miss actual film critics. I do. But one of the things I don't miss about them is how awful they are to comedies of all stripes. They are terrible mm -hmm. to comedies, typically. And, and, mm -hmm. and we're, you know, nearing the end of the journalistic film critics. And they fucking all hated this. And why, why, wouldn't, why would you like this? It's not for you. You wouldn't like an episode of Family Guy. It doesn't mean it's not worth doing. But, okay. But I love comedies and I love sketch comedies. And I'm telling you, this fucking blows. I appreciate you're defending what you want it to be, but you have to look at what it is. It sucks. I still think there's I something admirable not, in it. I do not think there's been a good sketch comedy movie since Amazon Woman in the Mood. The, the mm. 10. The 10 is the 10 should count. And um, everything. Such wasted potential. Every one of these sketches could have worked. Yeah. But they. They suck. They they suck. They suck and they're dumb and they well, sucky, sucky, dumb, dumb. That's why I said that, that gun quote. I don't know that everybody was in charge of editing their material. And and the idea, mm. I think that the novelty of getting all these celebrities in there, like we have to use all of this footage. And like, yo, we, we only write sketches once a year. I edit stuff out of that. I know how precious you can get around it. But like if you can, faster is always funnier, always. And yeah. it's, it's never fast. But there's some fine concepts in here that just that's the don't, thing. That's, that, that's why it pisses me off so much why i can't call it oh it's not one of the worst movies ever made because every sketch's concept is fine mm -hmm. and then they just sit there with it they don't do what needs to be just ah uh, it's so frustrating that you spent all this money and you got these wonderful talented no, people that's, together that's, that's a, with a good idea and then you fucked it all that's the other thing this movie was royally profitable as a bomb because it didn't cost anything <laughs> Yeah, it cost $6 million, made 30 It's a success in the box office, yeah. let alone wherever you see it nowadays. I, I Sorry, I want to go to bat for not only this movie, but that it should... Just hearing people like, and nobody in the movie would do any promotion for it, and like, some of these people shot this four years earlier, and most people don't do promotion for things they're doing glorified cameos in. That's not really how that works at all. And nobody directed every segment. So there kind of is no one to pro like contractually to promote this. No one's starring in this. This is nobody's then vehicle. Maybe they should have thought of that. I, and how are they going to promote this? I, I think it's there's, there's a way to do this again immediately and just shorter. That's like I think this movie could be hilarious with there's an Anton Nielchen sketch that that where he plays a necrophiliac mortician <laughs> that I don't That's the joke. I don't know that it's seen the light of day even after his death. Uh, I think it has. I just I wasn't able to probably, probably Google maybe. my googling like it was all taken down or wasn't actually there. But the Odenkirk sketch made the DVD. But the idea that you have a Bob Odenkirk written and directed sketch and don't put it in the movie weird. Anyway, I, 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 it's, I guess it's not worth defending, but it's, I think it's no. still worth watching. Uh, no. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. No, only like if you are a film student and you want to take the time to rewrite every sketch and how that these could work and have decent buttons on them, then yeah, that actually could be fun. <laughs> it, it, and there is a certain amount of seeing is believing, but 
No. Like, I, it wasn't as bad as I was expecting. I was expecting zero laughs, and I got pretty much a chuckle per sketch, sometimes two. The the Kieran Culkin, Emma Stone one yeah. was actually, that was fine. And, and yeah, was good. it's not it a bad ratio for a comedy movie. It's fun, but because that's the only one that moves fast. When the, when the balls and, on Hugh Jackman's uh, neck shrink, I'm like, man, how they do that? Because <laughs> it's look, cold. That looks, I know, but I know how balls work, Diane. I just haven't seen them shrink I, in a major motion picture. I, I know. I just, this made me angry in a way that I wasn't expecting. I was expecting to be angry at it for being bad, and mostly I'm just angry at it for being Black, uh, squandered potential. Potential. Yeah. yeah, exactly. There's yeah. no reason we shouldn't make one of these movies a year, and everybody. Granted, we have outlets for that. People do funny stuff on. On the Jimmy shows and there's Funny or Die and YouTube and all that stuff and, and, and yeah that's but like that, funny funny and talented people the desire to be in something like this was always there and that's why Hollywood always wanted to make it and it just sort of blows this is the one time they did and it's mm. it, it, it's it is it is on the bad side but it, it was it's not as bad as people say. It's not as bad as people say. That is the nicest thing I have to say about it's, it. It's just not. It's not. Certain things work and certain things don't. That happens in all sketch comedy, but usually move fast enough to get over that because the next thing's good. This kind of mm-hmm. doesn't. It'll dwell in unfunny for deep periods of time yeah. uh, and still come up uh. under 90 minutes. I recommend uh. it. I recommend it. I'm putting it up there with Aspen. You know. I'm putting it up there with Aspen Extreme. Uh, we'll see if <laughs> no, <laughs> yes, no, good sir. Yes, <laughs> you yes. are beseeching the name of Aspen Extreme, which is the best ski movie of all time, not including documentaries. I think this is not the best sketch comedy I, show. It's not even in the. Conversation. I think this is a better ski movie than Aspen Extreme. I, I really do. <laughs> I really do. I can't wait to, to we try and vote it out a year from now. But uh, move, moving on as we must into the next movie, which. I meant to watch because even bad movies starring these guys are great. More squandered potential here. Now I'm extra angry because this is a really good fit for star and material and Mm. they blew it. Sala Baker, Nick Nolte, Michael Chiklis, Wendell Pierce, Clifton Collins Jr., Bobby Carnavale again, Jennifer Lopez and Jason Statham in Parker. Who the hell are you? Parker. Oh, he stole his cut. January 25th. There was a problem with the job. He's stealing it back. How do you sleep at night? I don't drink coffee up to seven. Parker. Yeah. Uh, What's wasted in this, Diana? The character Parker. There are 28 (laughs) Donald Westlake novels about Parker. And one of them has been filmed twice. First as Point Blank and then remade kind of as Payback. Mm, And... Point blank fucking rules and payback is so much better than it should be, even though it's got Mel Gibson in it. <laughs> and yeah, the, it's, you know, one of my, my favorite genres of the, the human buzzsaw who won't take any bullshit. <laughs> and yeah, that's a pretty good fit for Jason Statham. You know, he's a criminal, but he has his code. And if you get in the way of that, everyone's going to fucking die. Wow. <laughs> but you're, he's not going to be angry about it. It's just business. You just described the transporter in like eight other Jason movies. Exactly. I know. Like I, the, I always they say, wait too long to do this? He's like, if Chuck Norris and Steven Seagal were good, that yes. that's what Jason Statham <laughs> is. But yeah, I did not get around to this. Ugh. Yeah, it, it was, it ended up feeling kind of generic. Jennifer Lopez was a lot of fun in it. You know, it kind of gave me some of that out of sight vibes that I miss from oh, her yeah. so much. But yeah, it just, it just wasn't different enough from other 
other statham stuff like transporter or mechanic or whatever and it's like that is such a fucking shame you guys wasted your time you should have put him into a parker series right after the transporter we'd be on like the fifth of them or six of them by now and we'd be sick of them but oh, they'd still be pretty good wonderful and then uh, a so, movie it's I, almost a recommend but no but I, I will recommend this next movie. Ooh, will you? Peter Stormare. too. Famke Jensen, uh, Zoe Bell, Gem- Gemma or Gemma? Gemma. Gemma Arterton. What? Gemma Arterton. Arterton. She's British. Oh, God. He has the name like Steve Martin in fucking Man with Two Brains. Jeremy Renner. It's number one at the box office for some reason. Hansel and Gretel, Witch Hunters. Me and my sister left in the forest we almost died at the hands of the witch now we travel the world hunting them you drop something this is our old house our parents didn't abandon us they were murdered you found your way home oh my god there's something else going on here Witch Hunters, rated R. Oh, in everything, apparently. Oddly enough. Because I think the, the funniest thing about this that I was reading was Jeremy Renner makes this movie. It's held for, held off for a year because in that time, Jeremy Renner is cast in a Bourne movie, in Mission Impossible, and The Avengers. And it's like, we have some reshoots. Why don't we just wait an entire year for this guy <laughs> who will be a movie star by the end of it? Yeah. How so, lucky were they? Oh, Oh my God. So, yeah. So, you might not have noticed uh, it's produced by Will Ferrell and Adam McKay. So, I that should did, be your yes. first hint that this is not quite what you think it is. Second of all, I just saw that Jeremy Renner's out of the hospital now. So, that's, hey, that's nice. Hey, so, hey. a snowblower. I'm so worried about him after getting run over by a snowplow. Call Mr. Plow next um, time. This is one of the best bad movies we've had in a long time. Yep. I'm on board. Uh, it's not, you... it's a good movie. It is bad, but it's funny bad. Does it? It's funny bad. And you know from like, minute two exactly what you're getting if if you can be like i am going to watch a movie with machine gun crossbows okay yeah that's the type of mood (laughs) i'm in this is the most video game ass movie i've seen in so long you have two players loads of gun and ammos blasting monsters into gibbs of blood saving hostage children and then a big bad final boss Yep. And at the very end, the adventure continues. Or yep. it almost did. It, yeah. Well, it would yeah. if, if this had been a success. No, this was. This is a crazy success. So why yeah. wasn't there a two? I think you have your, what do you call it? Jeremy Renner was much more attainable when they made this movie than he would be afterwards. It didn't do well critically, but like when you look at this guy's other movies in that it's produced by, you know, Gary Sanchez Productions, there is some self-awareness going. The guy's latest movie is called Spermageddon. And, and this is this is his first American movie, so I think there's a self awareness that went into this. We do want to make this kind of movie, stupid, stupid fun. Yeah, I mean, the, what's fun about it is it looks like we've talked about you know the different Snow White adaptations and the the mm-hmm. Red Riding Hood, like the edgy, cool. This ain't your mama's Snow White, and it's like this looks like it's just more of that, and it sucks. Except it has so much more humor to it, mm-hmm. and there's a lot more fun. Like for example. One of the problems that Hansel and Gretel have with their witch hunting is um, when they were kids, obviously, they went to the house made of candy and they ate so much candy that now Hansel is diabetic. (laughs) And he's got like a timer that he's got like how often he needs to eat or else he gets this sugar sickness. Oh, boy. 
Yeah. And also like kids go missing. And so they have little drawings of each kid and they put them on the milk bottle at the market and the camera just sort of goes past them without you pointing it out. Just yeah. Milk bottle children. Okay. Uh, also, there's anti-rape troll, who's uh, a wonderful character. He's a giant <laughs> troll monster. He's a beautiful animatronic. Like, I couldn't tell if he was real or, or CGI. And uh, he's a bad guy until someone tries to sexually assault someone. And now now he's now he's a hero. Anti-rape troll. Uh, he steps Alex. on people. It is so goofy. And yeah, I, I feel bad. It has like a 16% on Rotten Tomatoes or some shit. Because it, yeah, yeah, it's dumb. It's but, very dumb, but it, get drunk and watch this film. That's my it recommendation. Is, it is fun dumb. Very fun dumb. Yeah. Um, oh, my God. It was so much. The evil witches are, like, super over the top to this point where they're just annoying. And, yeah, everyone's got super weapons that are really cool in 3D. I'm like, oh, my God, what are you doing? It's so dumb. Yeah. It, yep. Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunter. Is this a recommend? <laughs> this is yeah. totally a recommend. This is wow. a good bad movie. Wow, wow, wow. This is, it hits the sweet spot of good, bad. Absolutely. Wow. And I I wouldn't even feel the need to mention this again, except as we move into TV, 2013, January 20th to the 26th, Jimmy Kimmel Sucks, the 10th anniversary special yeah. where he's held hostage by Matt Damon. We didn't mention Matt Damon, a fucking throwaway joke he did in the first two seasons. After every episode, he'd say, with apologies to Matt Damon, he would pretend to bump Matt Damon. And they built a multi-decade joke out of it. <laughs> that took the form of one of the biggest movie stars in the world doesn't even have the platform of the ABC's Tonight Show to legitimately promote anything. He just has to be part of their chicanery. Do you remember when they snuck him? Ben Affleck snuck Matt Damon onto the set inside of his suit. And it just looked like he was in a fat suit, but Matt Damon was kowallowing on his belly as he walked out. Like... I'm fucking Matt Damon, like all that, sh all that wonderful shit that, again, like I know people have lost a lot of affection for talk shows, but I think because they don't leave their mark in interesting ways. But I feel like looking at Jimmy Kimmel 20 years later, he might have. Uh, and mm. yes, Matt, held hostage by Matt Damon. Yes. Yeah. I love that he's tied up and gagged on the set the entire time while Matt Damon like brings in Sarah Silverman. It's like, yeah, we're going to talk to your ex-girlfriend about all how much you suck. <laughs> oh, and, 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 Sarah. and I forget. I saw it recently. Jimmy Kimmel hosted the Oscars. They took that fake animosity to the Oscar stage where they pretend to be mortal enemies. And like the audience seemed to be aware of it. So I guess people are still more people are still maybe industry people are watching more talk shows than anyone else. But yeah, it's 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 fun. It'd be one of the most fun retrospectives of of a talk show when it's off. The stuff Matt Damon has done on Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah. Also this week, the following debuts on Fox. Was this Kiefer Sutherland or Kevin Bacon? I can't remember. Kevin, no, Bacon. Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon. Yeah. There yep. it is. Uh, so the plot is there's an FBI agent. He captures this serial killer. But as that serial killer is awaiting execution, they escape. And somehow, while being in jail for the, almost a decade, the serial killer managed to get a following. And uh. all these like accolades are ready to bring forth death for this dude who's been in jail. Wow. Okay. I'm not sad I didn't watch it. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll say that much. Private Practice ends. The Grey's Anatomy spinoff gets yep, itself big. a solid five years. You're in yeah. lifetime syndication town, sir. Or madam. I don't know anything about private practice. Yeah, it was Kate Walsh. She got Kate the, Walsh. She got the spinoff. Uh, and then a show I was a little more familiar with. Attack of the Show ends um, for the first time. I believe it recently <laughs> ended again. A show that just should have 
it should have kept going despite like obviously the internet can do attack of the show but the what the internet does not have access to are pretty hosts and funny writers and attack of the show had both <laughs> you can ha- get plenty of people making geeky jokes about the day's news and um new releases but it, it was i thought attack of the show was like a pretty decent justification for g4's existence but then it was too late. But uh, it had been on the air since 05. I, th- I think it's fun to think about. Give, gave us Olivia Munn, who's now just an actress, despite mm-hmm. being a, yeah, like a like hosting this weird, not talk soup. That's not a good way to describe it. But whatever. It's Stack of the Show. You can look it up online if you want to. And also this weekend, Modern Family episode, full G... Full, somebody else say this. Full, full G... You're Italian. I know. I'm fucking up all around. I've only been there once. Fulgencio. Uh, Fulgencio. Uh, so this is about the christening of Gloria and Jay's son. And of course, they have to go full godfather. And they have the father uh, have his son go through a complete copy of the ending of Godfather 1 only in regards to children's issues. So like a child wakes up next to his severed head of his stuffed animal and people are gunned down with nerf guns wonderful for a show i know very little about it's funny it's it's a good lighthearted family com. and yeah uh, and then finally we got some games to talk about from 10 years ago the cave the cave double fine and tim schaefer and ron gilbert returning to the format mm-hmm. that had largely been abandoned by mainstream publishers but it's... well this is a platformer that is actually an adventure game. Oh, okay. And that's not a genre you see much about. It's a lot of problem solving, and that's mm-hmm. hard to do in a platform, but by God, they pull it off. Like 99% of the voice is just the cave narrating your adventures. Mm. Hmm. But it's got that Ron Gilbert uh, charm and wit to it. Yes, and then we also have Nino Cooney, Wrath of the White Witch, Diana, a JRPG with Studio Ghibli stank all over it uh, for PlayStation. Studio Ghibli literally made this. They are responsible for all the cutscenes, and the game itself is heavily inspired by their output. However, Miyazaki hates video games. Yep. He hates them. He thinks they are garbage. And speaking but, of but, people who don't promote things like studio ghibli does not like get out there and push that they're involved with this like in any way and it's now at least two games strong mm-hmm. and uh yeah but it's it's made to be accessible there's what? no hard mode it's <laughs> it's about kids and it's for kids and it makes pokemon look like call of duty i mean <laughs> this is not this is not a hard game so play. Well, my my experience with it was i downloaded the demo and the demo jumps you into like the middle and was one of the most complicated things I've ever tried to wrap my head around. The controls are totally, I'm told the regular game, like it's a very easy way to, but that de- it was one of the weirdest demos I'd ever played. Everything was foreign to me and I just didn't get it as a result. And now, yeah, still I, 10 yeah. years of regret. It's, it's got an interesting plot. The plot is you've got to save your mother by breaking off parts of other people's souls and giving that part to people who need it so like if you're a giving person i'm gonna break off a little bit of your giving nature and give it to someone who's selfish Mm. balance them out like the end of dark crystal patreon.com slash laser time and yeah with that 
All we have left to talk about is who died during this period, and we'll have a little quiz you can play along with, uh, see if you can beat me and Diana about who was born during this week of 30, 2010. But this is where I tell you, patreon.com slash laser time again, if you want to hear us talk about it. The Dark Crystal episode is one of my favorite things ever. God damn it. It was so much fun to talk about. Just being able to finally say, not unlike our discourse on Blade Runner, I want to love this movie more than I do. And it hurts. Mm. It hurts so much. But it's it's a flawed film. Anyway, that's the 80s in depth on there. Sick of Star Wars. Uh, we're talking about some Superman over there and some video game apocalypse stuff. Some inside stuff about our year-end list. Check that out. Patri- five bucks. Extra 30, 2010 stuff. Over 100 extra podcasts. Come on. Come on. Five bucks. You can spare it. You can spare it. Die. where can people find you at? They can find me on the Twitter at listenerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-A-R-D, or follow the show at 302010podcast. That's 302010podcast. Coming up next week. Oh, what do I want to promote? We have a Zom rom-com. Oh. And we have a movie I am really looking forward to re-watching. It's been a really long time. Chris, I know you are all up in this movie because Joe Dante and John Goodman uh. are getting together to salute the B-movies of the past. And Florida. (laughs) And Florida. And also, one of the most important episodes of Mystery Science Theater of all time. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, and we will be covering Netflix's very first hit streaming show. No, Lily Hammer. Which (laughs) debuts with Nothing controversial about its star at all. Don't <laughs> d- don't think about that. Oh. We will also examine the ending of Tina Fey's greatest work of all time. Mm. Mm. I do love that. And ah, mm. uh, geez, am I podcasting? I I had no idea. Th- this is a wonderful podcast you've got here. Very rooming place. I really ex- appreciate you speaking with me, Miss Goodman. But just one more thing, Miss Goodman. What? One more thing. <laughs> What? How could we possibly have that in 302010? It's ending. Are you kidding? 2003. No. 1993. 2003. Wow. It started in 1968 and it comes to an end in 2003. Wow. Wow. Okay. Seemed impossible. Okay. Uh, Die, who died during this uh, episode of 302010? January 20th to the 26th, 302010 years ago. Okay. Well, in 1993, oh, we lost two giants. Uh, so we lost Audrey Hepburn, who was only wow. 63. She died of a really rare form of cancer that I think started in her appendix. Mm. And then we lost Thurgood Marshall, the first black Supreme Court justice, who also argued Brown versus Board of Education. He was 84. I am extra upset now to know if he had not retired and had died in office. Mm. Oh, God. We, we oh, would have. Yeah. Yeah, we we would not have um, Clarence Thomas, but instead Thurgood Marshall was a good person and he did the right thing and he retired because his health was failing and now we still have freaking Clarence Thomas 30 years later. (sighs) I wonder if his wife was a psycho. uh, (laughs) I don't think she actively advocated sedition. (laughs) Not uh, recently. In 2003, we lost some more. Nell Carter, who was only 54. She was... Wow, she went uh, young. Way star. But also, Give Me a Break was big show through the 80s, where tiny, tiny Joey Lawrence got his start on. Then I remember when he was like six. And And it taught me in like 1984 that blackface was bad. And I learned that as like a six-year-old. But for some reason, other people (laughs) didn't understand. Mm, Yeah. And then we also lost illustrator Al Hirschfeld, who's 99. Wow. Who's, it's one of those people that's like, 
I'm so envious of someone who has a style that you immediately look and be like, that's it. Mm. That's a Hirschfeld. That's Hirschfeld style. The genie in Aladdin. Boom. Hirschfeld style. Mm. Oh, yeah. I recognize this guy. I've, yep. I've never heard that name before, but I pulled up his work and like, yeah, I've Boom. seen that. I... Absolutely. Yep. Amazing caricatures. So just really, really distinctive line drawings. Yeah, that's uh, so those cool people. But we, we gained some new people. At least one mm. we're going to try and guess in the Birthday quiz. quiz. Birthday all around. Oh, birthday is a doodly doo, a ding dong doodly doodly ding dong doo. Born, born January twenty fourth, nineteen forty nine, in Humboldt Park, a neighborhood of the West Side of Chicago, Illinois. West Side. If I mention a single one of his movies that we've talked about on the show, you're gonna instantly know who it is. So I'm gonna avoid. Okay, Go you're going to avoid him? I was going to say, is it John Hughes? It is not John Hughes. Damn. Mm. Oh, that would have been not a... Okay. Yeah. His dream was to play Beethoven in a movie. Uh, what's the name of that St. Bernard? He did it. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> he auditioned for the lead role in The Blue Lagoon, but was too funny for the part. <laughs> Don't gosh. He refused the title role in Arthur. What? Ooh, wow. An American? Robert De Niro was one of the last people to see him alive. Oh, is it John Belushi? It is John Belushi, yes. Wait, what? Yes. Yeah, my other clues was Chris Farley was once told he was going to end up like him, and Chris said that was his goal. Yes. Mm. It's in the Adam Sandler song about him. Yep. He was the model for Slimer and was cast as Dr. Peter Venkman in Ghostbusters before he died. Oh. And... He and Dan Aykroyd once tried to steal a boat while drunk. And, of course, the movies are Animal House, Blues Brothers, and Lesser uh, 1940s. Neighbors. Mm, oh, yeah, yeah, Neighbors, Continental neighbors. Divide. Everyone yeah. forgets he made more than two movies. Yeah. yeah. I like I, I, Neighbors Golly. is so weird. Yeah, John Belushi. Neighbors is weird. And if you haven't, it is weird. If you haven't, it's okay. If you haven't heard me say this 100,000 times, I have watched all five seasons of SNL in its entirety. And it's just bizarre. It's the best. They'll never top it. And like, nobody knows who these people are for like months and they don't laugh. They get no laughs. And it's a little more debaucherous than SNL is now. I, I don't believe there's a ton of drug use or booze flying around, but everybody's, I don't want to say everybody's fucked up, but like it's a ramshackle show. And Chevy Chase, you can see that in the Belushi documentary because I didn't, I actually wasn't as familiar with that. That Chevy Chase was the breakout star the first season, and so nobody noticed Belushi. He, and and part of the reason you don't notice when go back and look at sketches, the guy who never flubs, the guy who never breaks character, the guy who will shave his mustache, Dan Aykroyd, <laughs> is John Belushi. He's like the most professional. He's the most professional SNL cast member at that level before we even said the word words SNL cast member. It's beyond his physical capabilities. He was like a great stage actor. Fucking amazing. Everyone else is is kind of like bumbling through stuff and, and, and Belushi never did. It's amazing to watch. Yeah, and, and he was absolutely a pro. Blues Brothers is one of my favorite movies, it's, I think. It's fucking great. Holds up so great. <laughs> it really, really holds up and it introduced so many people to so much music. The, the yeah. Kids don't know who John Lee Hooker is. Oh, there he is. Okay, cool. And perhaps the Diana, <laughs> would you be down for an 80s in depth? Oh, 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 oh. 
I I might be because I I mean I I don't know just like oh that musical act like yeah I I know some background on the the members of the band <laughs> Donald Duck nice. Lewis oh. and Donald Duck Don man Steve Cropper those are some serious dudes yeah don't got uh, R A P Belouche uh, there's that documentary in Showtime check it out while you're looking to see if Penn and Tiller bullshit is streaming and that concludes our show patreon.com slash laser time what are we going to close out with Diana this seems appropriate oh yeah in in lieu of anything else uh, with yeah the 30th anniversary losing Audrey Hepburn who please watch any other movie besides Breakfast at Tiffany's that's a great place to start that's beginner level please check out her other stuff Robin and Marion and Two for the Road are two of my favorites oh and Charade oh my god Charade, Charade. best fucking movie I like so, the Mark uh, Wahlberg version shut up <laughs> and, <laughs> let's, let's let's go it's a moon river it's moon a lovely river. song I love it you'll, you'll recognize it Bayonetta fans anyway thank you so much for listening to our show we will see you next week week the same rainbows and waiting round the bed